Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. A lot of grass to Klubnik's left. Here he goes. Wide side. Klubnik trying to break away. He cannot. It's Corey Flagg and Miami wins. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. It is good! The Utah Utes sink USC once more in another classic. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. Protecting Texans since 1952. Houston. Smith from the shotgun. Has the snap. Rolls to the right. Looks. Throws on the run. It is incomplete. Broken up by Jade Barron. It was intended for Stephon Johnson, the hero of the Hail Mary. And Jade Barron comes up. Hero for Texas. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Spawn from the one, whose coverage has been strong so far tonight, but he breaks free. Deuce Spawn in a foot race. He'll never catch him. And the Dolls special team strike back quickly. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. May just barely got it away, and the ball is caught. Intercepted James Jackson for Virginia at the 42. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go, and we will have... More information on the Michigan investigation allegations, Oregon State, Washington State, and the Mountain West as far as what that story was with Ross Dellinger, Kansas quarterback update, some awards to a couple of players in the Big 12 continue to come down. Uh, And, uh, oh, we have to, even though we are a lot college football, uh, I am a lifelong Texas Rangers fan, even back when they were the Washington Senators in D.C., Craig Smoke. Lifelong Texas Rangers fan. Uh, They're in the World Series. There's still work to be done. Paul Catalina 
father, his late father Pete, was a huge Texas Rangers fan. Also, he's a lifelong Red Sox fan. Uh, Garrett, I don't know about your history. Yeah, I, I never really was had opportunity to grow up with uh, having people take me to games and stuff, so I never really had a baseball team that I gravitated towards. All right, well, the Rangers came back from the dead from Friday night and end up, they're in the World Series, and they still must win four to win their first ever World Series. But, Craig, I'll start with you. After we were watching, we were about to start the pregame show Friday at Bryan, Midway and Bryan, and saw the home run by Altuve and then had to go on the air live and act happy. Uh, it you know it's fandom, and yet we also cover journalistically certain things. But in this particular case, your thoughts about where they came from, where they were seven o'clock on Friday night? Yeah, I'm super pumped. Uh, I'm very excited about you know the comeback, and I thought that they were dead and done uh, on Friday night. Uh, the way that that unfolded, and just the the emotions, and the fact that they were having to play in Houston for the final two games, although you know. Being on the road didn't matter at all in this series, and being on the road was actually a benefit uh, because the road teams won every single game. But um, I didn't think that uh, we would be seeing an event like last night. I, I thought that you know the Rangers might push it to a Game 7, but certainly they weren't going to be able to win back-to-back after the way that Friday night had gone. But uh, I was glad to be wrong, uh, thrilled to be wrong. And you know at the same time, I'm excited. That was a really nice win, and it was uh, – enjoyable because it was blown open early on that you know enough that you weren't sitting there you know gritting your teeth down to the final out which was uh which was nice but at the same time like they got to win the world series for this to matter I mean that's that's the thing for me is you know if they don't win the world series then I don't really care about the rest of this stuff I really don't I mean it's great in the moment and it's fun to I guess look back one day and say hey they won three AL pennants but if they don't win the world series then so what? I mean, that that's where I am, but uh, I'm excited they're going to have the opportunity, and uh, it's an awesome, fun team to root for, and uh, amazing where they are now compared to where they were in the late summertime. They have turned this around quickly. Uh, they might be somewhat similar to when the Astros were in the doldrums for a long time, and then poof, here they come and had the run that they've had, and still a great run. What a what a turnaround. What a crazy series. Craig, uh, I, I, I have... I have a lot of respect for you anyway. We've known each other a long time. Like, when you say things like that, it, it just, like, makes it grow. Because <laughs> there's so many fans out there that are like, I'm just happy for the ride. Like, and I appreciate that. Like, you enjoy what you want to enjoy. But I have a friend, um, uh, Nelson, great guy. Nelson and I talk about the Cowboys sometimes. Like, man, we've won the NFC East so many times. I just love it. I'm like, no, absolutely not. No. No, like that that doesn't do anything for me. And yes, the AL pennant is a great thing, and it's really awesome to see that. But at the end of this, you don't want any more pain as a fan to having, you know, the Giants World Series was just an absolute stomping. Yeah, they yeah. Were, Bruce, yeah. Bruce Bochy, their manager now, yeah. ate the Rangers for dinner. Yeah. And then the don't, next don't, year. Don't bring it up. <laughs> and then the next year was even more painful. You don't want to have that anymore. The Rangers have earned their pain. They've got it. Now go get it. Well, it's like the Red Sox for many years in the Yankees and the playoffs and dramatic moments that always went, went against them. And then finally they buried that, almost swept, and they come back and win that series and go on, and that was great. And Yeah, that's huge. But then they won it all, and, and the Rangers have never won it all. And so they need to do that. But it was, to me, so much momentum swings. The offenses of both teams were phenomenal. Uh, Altuve still going down fighting last night with a home run at the end in the ninth. But uh, in the end, the Rangers' bullpen, which has been a mess, even though shaky as hell, 
They ended up finding a way to get it done the last couple of games, and the Rangers are playing either Philadelphia and or they'll play Arizona in the World Series starting in Arlington on Friday. Yeah, the bullpen found a way with big leads to get it done. So, you know, yeah, that that was a, a concern coming in, but they were given plenty of comfortability uh, when they took the mound. Um, and uh, that was the offense just waking up and, and Adolis Garcia having one of the great all-time performances. But, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I, I had a lot of fun, you know, watching last night and being able to enjoy it and watch videos after the fact and see a really likable team celebrating. And Adolis Garcia had an incredible series. But, um, I mean, it's it's not the World Series yet. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to really celebrate and uh, hoop and holler and all that with they can go and, and grab a ring. But uh, this is this is cool for the time being, but it's it's not the, the end game by any means. Now, let's get to some college football. And I know that, uh, in fact, I was warned today on the chat room during Paul's triple option that the hatred for Adolis Garcia was heavy. Uh, I, I thought what he did on Friday night, the way he reacted, created perhaps the drama that created the, the craziness of Altuve winning, the Rangers' bullpen melting down. Uh, but And then uh, what can you say? I mean, what he did in game six and seven was heroic and something that's once in a lifetime, the most runs batted in ever in a series. And uh, he just carried that team on his back despite striking out four times on Sunday but then coming up with the grand slam that ended that game. Uh, he is a great story. In fact, Garrett, will you put up the tweet I sent you uh, about Adolis Garcia? This is crazy. The Rangers just picked him up in December. Uh, a nominal sum of cash to the, from the Cardinals for the rights to the 25-year-old outfielder with 17. What are you looking at me like that for? It's an incredible stat. I mean, 17 major league at-bats, and now he's the ALCS most valuable player. Yeah, well, the other thing was, so in 2020, they, after they did that, they want, like, he wasn't very good. And they were like, well, we're going to release him. Then nobody else wanted him. So they're like, ah, what the hell? We'll bring him back and see what happens. And this is what happens after a couple years of development. Yep. So uh, Jordan Alvarez, the Astros picked him up on the cheap from the Dodgers. And so uh, Adoles Garcia will go down in history with one of the greatest, put you on the back of a, of a player, and especially after all the drama on, on Friday night. We will hear from Josh Newman. He covers Utah. Mac Rhodes today at 415. Craig's off the radar. Paul's top five. RJ Abadia, he covers USC. And then also John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist, will join us today at also at about 530. Here are some stories in college football. I don't know really what to make of all of the pictures and the videos and all this. This is from Ben Scott who uh, put up the status of the staffer in question. And some of these are freeze frames and also blown up pictures. You see that laminated, I don't know, maybe every school in, in America does this, but those aren't like depth chart or play calls. Those are hand signals, laminated hand signals from the Michigan sideline with the staffer who's in question on the sideline with a folder that looks like it's packed with a lot of different papers. Now, is that enough to do anything? I don't know. There it is, the, the, the staffer on the right-hand side. And this story will go on and on, and maybe nothing comes from it, but there are some really almost damning-type pictures of what he might have been doing. Yeah, this is, uh, this is such a complex scenario. I was curious to hear what Phil Bennett said about how coaches feel about it. You know, that there's always going to be people who, um, you know, live in the gray area and push the line. Um, but, man, I mean, that seems to be a lot of work on 
Again, like, does Michigan need Rutgers signs to win that game? I like this is the thing that that if if you had told me that Connor Stallion spent all of his time uh, with his little thing scouting Ohio State and Penn State, I'd been like, well, all right, but the other ones, I, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, it's a weird deal. Um, I I don't know what to make of it. Still, um, I mean, we're seeing all these little clues that that you know seem to indicate something's going on. Uh, certainly, it smells to high heavens. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it all. I mean, I totally believe that something could be going on. Like I said, it's college athletics, it's college football in particular. And, uh, there's always somebody looking for an advantage. I think it's not, uh, you know, a, a witch hunt, uh, to think that, oh, well, it's just the NCAA going after Harbaugh again. I, I just, I, I don't buy that as, as being like the, the big driving force here is, is, uh, just some, you know, conspiracy to try and bring down or hurt Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I, I'm, I'm sure that's pretty easy to accept if you're a Michigan or Jim Harbaugh fan, but uh, from a completely neutral outsider's point of view, I just I don't see what they gain from that, and maybe I'll learn otherwise. I don't know. But uh, for right now, there, there sure are a lot of arrows pointing at there being something uh, awry, and you know I'm curious uh, how they continue to, to pull back the layers. But I, I've also seen a lot of Twitter investigations that turn out to be like total bupkis. Yeah. I mean, they turn out to be like – just truly conspiracy, like, hey, did this arrow means that this guy was, and it turns out like, oh, no, that was just, that was completely unrelated and, and whatever. So, I mean, that looks damning. Um, it, you know, looks like a duck, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, all of that. But, um, you know, I think there's still some more to, to be uh, shown uh, to prove that this is ex- as nefarious as it's being portrayed a- as to be. But do I believe it could be happening or that it was happening? Yeah, absolutely, I can believe that. Absolutely, I can. And there's just too many things going on to make it seem like all one big coincidence. But there's obviously more to play out here. All right, and then there's this story that came down yesterday evening. Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports, the Mountain West, and Oregon State and Washington State considering a scheduling alliance that may lead to a long-term agreement. Questions, of course, in the court battle that continue inside the latest in the Pac-12 remnants plight and their impact in the college football playoff, which then leads to this. OSU and Washington State are assembling the 2024 schedules similar to being like an independent. The college football playoff is likely to treat them as such, no automatic qualifier, but there is an expectation in continuing the Power 5 revenue distribution through 25, and they could have a $40 million each coming from the Rose Bowl. And then this note, Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, continues to support a change in the college football playoff format. We've known that. The current model would grant a second and potentially unranked G5 champion an automatic bid. Sankey, quote, if you displace the 11th best team with an unranked team, the system can't explain itself. Uh... That's kind of like holier than now, in my opinion, and I get what he's saying, but if you win a conference that is a part of the actual format and you are supposed to be in the college football playoff, then you deserve the spot in the college football playoff. Today, tonight, the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks have 84 wins, and they have a chance to win the National League pennant. Yeah, I... Uh, I get what he's saying, um, but also that seems to be guarding against like a, a rare scenario, right? Like, I mean, I, I, that 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 seems to be the defense of every change to the playoff that you want to make is like, well, what if this happens? Well, like, okay, but 
why don't you see if it happens several times before you go and, and change the rule so that because again it's ultimately gonna that's to make sure that your teams are getting in not that a good g5 team is getting in you're just trying to make sure that your teams are getting in you're not defending like oh well Tulane lost in the championship game, so they can't be in the playoff because they're ranked 15 now. But now we have to give, um, you know, uh, an, a, nine, a now 9-4 and four, uh, unranked um, Air Force team their spot. Like, I, that may also not be Air Force's fault. Like, the voters vote how they're going to vote, and there might be a team that's deserving of the rankings. I, I, I just think he's creating scenarios that would be pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, I, there's just a lot to unpack with this whole playoff situation, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of jockeying going on. There's a lot of positioning going on. There's a lot still to, to figure out. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to do that when there's still a lot of question marks up in the air, and particularly out west with uh, those two schools that you mentioned. And, um, you know, like uh, we, we said, um, you know, there wasn't anything imminent, and that certainly appears to be the case. Um, they're not on the verge of joining the Big 12 or – the ACC or any other conference right now for that matter. And uh, I think that they're probably just waiting, like uh, we've also said, for this this court case to figure itself out. I mean, it's hard to really know what's what until that's all settled. And uh, that's in the process of, of being unpacked and figured out and negotiated and all of that right now. So um, who knows how much longer that takes. I know there's a meeting in like mid-November or something, so that's another three weeks away. Um, but it's not, you know, exceptionally far away but yeah there's a lot of people that want answers to a lot of questions in particular about the future of the playoff but until you really get that part of it settled it's it's kind of hard to to determine anything um and so that will be uh, interesting to keep an eye on um but you know if you're Oregon State and Washington State you've got to look at every option right now and the most logical option that's in front of you is some sort of a scheduling alliance with somebody like the Mountain West so yeah that that makes sense now. Is that guaranteed to, to be anything? I mean, we just saw the Big Ten scrap an entire schedule just mm-hmm. recently. This mm-hmm. whole whole schedule with USC and UCLA, and they're just like, up, oh, crumple that up like a paper ball and you know, or paper plane and, and fly it off somewhere. Now we've got Oregon and Washington coming in. We've got to redo this bad boy. So, you know, I, I don't know how much the that matters, but obviously they're on a ticking clock as far as knowing who they're playing, making plans, and, and getting all of that situated for – uh, next year, even though it may not take as long as we expect, it still takes some time. So, uh, yeah, uh, keep an eye on on what's going what's going on with uh, Washington State and Oregon State and how that can be figured out. And um, I think that that will you know lead us to to where this all eventually starts to to kind of go a little bit. But yeah, um, no surprise they're they're doing what they can to try and and put a, together a situation that would make sense for them. Uh, being that right now it appears they would be a two team conference and. You know, I, I see about like well, the, the, like there's there's like almost this feeling of like they automatically get into the playoff, and it'd be like no, that's that's not how that would work. Just because even if they maintain the Power Five, the Pac-12 name, that's not exactly how that would work. So that's why you know Sankey's comments are also interesting. But yeah, still a lot to play out there, and um, you know nothing like we said uh, imminent. Uh, it appears. I'll say this again though, if the rules right that you're a conference that gets in. And I know that there's rankings and all that, highest, et cetera. But if that means you get in because you win a conference title, no matter if you're 8-4 and four or 12-0, and 0, whatever the record might be, that means you get in. It happens. We've well, seen teams that have had really bad regular season records in the NFL, in the NBA, eight seeds beat one seeds. That's part of, the, to me, the dynamics of a postseason. Yeah, um, and uh, actually any kind of stress for, like, stretch for, like, absolute purity – 
it usually makes things worse and boring, right? Because then you, you know, the, the beauty of competition is sometimes in the mess and not in like the, you know, oh, we got the, the 12 perfect teams in there for this. Well, if you got 11 perfect teams and then one who's hot at the end, like, heck, that's a fun story too. That's why the basketball tournament is, is so good because it's not, it's, it's not perfect. It doesn't always Otherwise, go chalk. Florida Atlantic but, and San Diego State don't get to where yeah, they get to go. But on the uh, Wazoo and Oregon State thing, um, you know, I think that you know, Ross Dellinger is pretty clear that if they maintain, they're going to be treated as as independents and not automatic qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would have to be voted to that spot into into their you know whatever they'd have to win whatever they are for the next couple of years. I think any kind of scheduling alliance is just a no brainer, and they can do it and you know rotate through a couple of years, see where you are, and then maybe merge into that league after the the legal proceedings. Which I just get the feeling. You know, especially if each of these schools could get $40 million a piece from the Rose Bowl, that uh, all the other schools that had to deal with the Rose Bowl over that time are, are not going to let that go easily. So it probably won't be done by the time you need to make a schedule in earnest. So I would think that since that's going to drag out for a little while and all that could kind of come later, that this is the best option for them right now. Maintain the Pac-12 name or the the Pac whatever you want to call it name. Um, Let's call it the Pacific Conference. Yeah, the Pacific Conference. Yeah. Roll through for a couple of years. Make your scheduling alliance and see what happens in 2026 and move on. Uh, because look, the Big 12's not coming. You know that that call. That call's not coming, uh, and so the ACC call has, has come and gone for the people who are going to that one. So because you're in this situation, make the best of it, and you could probably win a bunch of games and see where you are in a but couple years. Washington's non-conference schedule next year that is already locked in, they have Weber State and Eastern Washington, or Eastern Michigan. They have an extra non-conference game. So, I mean, does that open up the door for a possible Washington-Washington State? No. I mean, I Maybe. Maybe the door's cracked. I don't know. I just happened to look at that. Oregon's non-conference schedule's locked up. Hawaii, Idaho, Texas Tech, and Boise State. If you're Washington and Oregon, you don't have to do that, though. Like, you have no No, obligation. I'm just saying that there's an opening there for if they want to play. If you want to sit there and make it hard on folks, well, then on the other end of it, they can be like, all right, well, you know what? You wanted to to push? We're going to push back, and we're not going to schedule you. So good luck going and finding another opponent. So that's that's part of the – we'll see what level of pettiness that this reaches. But – yeah, still a lot of negotiations going on, and you know, there's plenty of things that that could happen. But uh, for right now, this seems to be the most logical. I don't think that this is anything like super, you know, news breaky. I think this is all mostly stuff that was pretty well known and, and well out there. But Ross just does a good job of of kind of putting it all together in a nice compact read, and you know, updating it and keeping it a little bit fresh there in the headlines. But yeah, I mean, if you're those two, you're you're waiting to figure out what you actually are going to have at your disposal and when and what that's going to look like. And, um, you know, I think once that's figured out, then, okay, let's see what the realistic possibilities are of, you know, another conference coming to call uh, or knock on your door or, you know, what uh, that leads you to uh, and what pathway that leads you down. But, um, you know, it's certainly a, a dilemma uh, at the moment or an issue that needs to be resolved and uh, seems it's going to take some more time, which is kind of the, the deal all along was like, yeah, this is uh, something that's going to take a little while to unpack. So we'll see how much longer it takes. And uh, that will help determine as well of, of what exactly they're looking at here in the, the next few months and over the next year. And I want to make this clear as too: the SEC has not always had uh, a team. I know that they've been on this great run, but there's a few times they've had a pe- they've had a team or two sneak in and uh, get into the play- playoff or whatever because uh, – and they weren't, like, in the top five. Uh, what was the year LSU – who was it, uh, Garrett, when LSU uh, 
Uh, and it was it LSU and Alabama. LSU and Alabama met because Bama, LSU had beat Bama, and then Bama somehow magically got a pass to play LSU in the national championship. And then championship. won the game. Yeah, and held LSU to, like, it's behind a, the 50. Yeah, yeah. The, the computer, the BCS. BCS did that. There you go. The BCS well, did and that. And here's another example. Some, in 2001, LSU wasn't ranked in the BCS, went on to beat number two ranked Florida. Uh, in the SEC championship, is Sankey in favor of leaving out an unranked conference champion if it's his own conference? So, and that, and again, I don't. I think he wants the best teams. I'm not saying he doesn't, but uh, trying to protect, uh, I guess, uh, the backyard too. In 2001, LSU's probably glad they didn't have to play in that national championship game. That yeah, was I wish they would have. Miami. I wish they would have <laughs> saved Nebraska and ass kicking. But uh, that I mean this this playoff thing is going to be a topic and remain a topic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's you know worth a daily discussion because things don't change that quickly. But you know, overall, with what they're trying to set up in the future, I mean, they've got. Uh, They've got some pretty big issues that need uh, need answers to be able to move forward. So, um, yeah, this is not a, a quick-working group. And, and obviously, you start getting the legal part involved, which is the case out west. And, and who knows with that? Like I said, I know there's, there's something coming up next month that could be telling or could uh, move this thing farther along. But... Uh, obviously, the schools that are exiting or pushing back, they're just not going to give up everything and just say, oh, yeah, you guys have all this. Uh, so there's going to be a fight over that. But to what extent can they maybe come to an agreement or does this thing keep pushing on? Um, I think if you're Oregon State and Washington State, the sooner the better to get some resolution here, right, so that you can know and you can move on. Um, but, you know, how long does this take is is a, is a big question right now. And um, it, it does have effects on, on what this thing's going to look like uh, moving forward. So all this talk about AQs and all that, there's – there's not a whole full puzzle piece. There's a couple pieces still missing right now to be able to go ahead and, and complete that. All right, Kansas, we mentioned this yesterday uh, in the report from Matt Tate. Here's another one, Lance Leipold, saying that Jason Bean is expected to start against Oklahoma that game on Saturday uh, with a big noon kickoff there. Hell of a game. I think could be a crazy good game. Uh, but, Daniel, put the, if you wouldn't mind, Garrett, but Jalen Daniels is making progress. Not sure if that means he's available but it appears as if Jason Bean expected to start. And, of course, as Craig, you mentioned yesterday, there's still four days until they play. A lot can happen with that. Well, I just hope he makes progress to play towards the end of the season. It makes it that much better. Whether it's this week or not, I'm just a, just a guy who likes watching Jalen Daniels play. For Oklahoma fans, I'm sure you'd much rather have Jason Bean, although he's played pretty well uh, lately. But uh, even still, like – I. We're kind of getting robbed of a good Big 12 quarterback this year by, by him being injured. Yeah, I mean, it's not the same situation, but I'm almost waiting for the Cam Rising news to just, like, go ahead and just say you shut him down for the whole year, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, how, I mean, there's five games left. Mm-hmm. So um, this there'll be four after this weekend. Um, so I guess you could come back for the final month and go on a run, but uh, it sucks for KU fans. I mean, it sucks. And to be in limbo, I think, is even worse of, like, well, okay, well, this week will he be ready or, well, this week. And that's what Utah fans were doing there for a little while. Uh, before finally just, you know, shutting the door on that idea entirely. And you know what? It probably feels pretty good to just know, like, hey, it sucks that Cam Rising or Brent Keithy's not going to play, you know, anymore or at all. But at least we know and we're not sitting there waiting for, you know, word from Whittingham the following Monday press conference. Oh, like, now they're back. And, you know, you're not on the edge of your seat anticipating their returns or planning for their returns or in your mind picturing what that could look like and when and, and how it would affect the team. Now you can just move on with what you got, which is, you know, Bryson Barnes and company. Um, so for Kansas, you know, obviously it's not that serious to where, you know, it's season ending, it sounds like. It really does sound like it's a week-to-week thing. But, my gosh, like I said, we're, we're entering the final month, guys, and he's yeah. barely played a, yeah. at all. So, yeah, that's just really unfortunate. 
All right, here's also a couple of awards. We mentioned Isaiah Hankins yesterday, the Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. He also was named the National Lou Groza Award Star of the Week for his performance against, uh, obviously, Cincinnati with the four field goals, including one of 54 yards. Earl Campbell, Tyler Rose Award for the second consecutive week. What a binge he is on and what he's done to give Oklahoma State a lift and Ollie Gordon the second. He was named the award winner for the Campbell Award the second consecutive week. And I looked, and there's always a deep group of nominations, and Craig, you do a lot with that. I mean, all of it when it comes to that, to send out to those who vote. And this was as one-sided as it could possibly be, in my opinion, that I've ever seen. Although quarterback at SMU Stone put up nice numbers, this was, to me, a runaway with him to get it this week. Yeah, I can't probably one-hand the amount of times the guys have gone back-to-back. I don't think it's happened very often for that award. Um, Maybe once or twice ever in, like, 10 years of doing it. So uh, that's rare, but just speaks to... Uh, Ollie Gordon the second and the type of run that he's having no pun intended and I know the big thing for Mike Gundy is that he's just got to keep a level head now and not let that kind of stuff get to him not eat the cheese so to speak right um, that'll be the big challenge for Ollie Gordon moving forward is to just handle this with grace but humility and just keep attacking it and doing what he's been doing because it's worked obviously very well for him and also for the team as a whole so um, hopefully he does that because he's fun to watch and he's got uh, some you know, just numbers that are that are otherworldly coming his way these next five weeks, uh, potentially if he can uh, remain level-headed and, and embrace the attention but not, you know, become uh, affected by it. So I think that's the big goal for Oklahoma State. Obviously, just keep on improving, but uh, they found themselves and, and their identity on offense, and uh, it's worked out well for them, and, and that's why they're right there in the mix of the Big 12 race after just a couple weeks ago feeling like or maybe, you know, a month ago feeling like they were nowhere within that race. Uh, they're, they're very much a part of the pack now. So it's been good to see, and congrats to him. All right, this is not good news for Kevin Sumlin, the former Texas A&M and Arizona head coach. Uh, he's no, not, not, no longer, but he's not with the team at this particular time, according to Maryland head coach Mike Loxley. He was arrested on a DUI. Uh, it was an off week for Maryland. And uh, there's the quote from Mike Loxley as far as the, uh, the standard, the behavior that has to be set for the players. And now he is at least right now not with the team up in Maryland, wishing him the best, uh, made a mistake, wishing him the best in trying to get over what might be going on with him. So there is that with Arizona, uh, with Mar- Maryland assistant coach Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I hope he uh, he gets the help that he needs. Um, you know, in Maryland, he was doing a really good job at Maryland. Their their offense is really really good. Um, and but man, that's uh, that's unfortunate. Hope that uh, that he can he can get right. Glad that uh, everybody seems to be okay. Like it wasn't a story where we're talking about like a manslaughter charge or something like that. But that's always a risk that you run. Uh, don't have a lot of uh, patience for drinking and driving. Uh, so. Big, stupid decision on his part, uh, but I hope it's not indicative of a bigger problem. And if it is, I hope that this is the wake-up call that he needs to go ahead and get that corrected because obviously the guy's got a lot of, um, you know, uh, talent and connections and a place in college football. And uh, you hate to see somebody throw away uh, what they have, their skill sets and whatnot, uh, with the bottle. So um, hopefully he wakes up and realizes uh, if that's the case that, uh, you know, changes are, are needed to be made and he can swallow his pride and, and have those changes uh, get done. But, you know, if this is just a one-off, one night and a bad mistake, uh, I hope he still learns a lesson from that because that's that's a big mistake. Just, you know, that's that's not something they, oh, sh- 
I did that again, you know, like, so um, I, I hope that uh, this is not a story we're talking about much more after today. I agree. I absolutely agree. UW fan, Jim, they may have the Apple Cut Cup at Lumen Field, Seahawks Field in Seattle every year. Washington State grads all work and live in the greater Seattle area, so it would be a split crowd. And I hope I do because I don't like seeing traditions or rivalries end, and we are seeing them, and it's now part of the deal. It is. But I would hope in some way, it's probably not going to happen based on what I said about Oregon's non-conference schedule, that they somehow continue to play. But then, Craig, you made the point, um, okay, you're going to do that and keep all the money that perhaps some of it is ours, then why should we play you every year uh, and give you a chance to have a quality opponent? Right, you, you won that, so now we're going to hand you a, a game against us? You yeah, know, yeah. like I feel like it would be more of a... I mean, that would be the nice thing to do. That'd be the charitable thing to do. That'd be the friendly thing to do. But, you know, at the same time, when A&M left for the SEC, there wasn't like, well, we'll still play each other. It's like, no, there's bad blood there. And I know it's not to that level with, with those two necessarily. It's a different situation. Um, but, you know, yeah, I would think that if there's some big court case lost and uh, they're, the, they're the victors in that, then the last thing you'd probably want to do is go give them another another victory and, and play a game against them. But, hey, I, I don't know the dynamics up there like those up there do. So maybe that is how, you know, Oregon or Washington would respond. But I, I would just hesitate to think that that would be a, a, a layup, uh, which nobody's indicating that it is. So, yeah, there, there's some stuff to figure out there. That would be a way to figure it out, though. Like, if man, what if Washington and Oregon agreed to not only play them but play both of them? And then yeah. all of a sudden you've got two games. And then you've got the – you know, the two, three non-conference games that you already scheduled, and boom, there's nearly half your schedule right there. And then you, you fill it out the way that you fill it out. But, again, there's there's a lot to be figured. Like, that, that stuff today, again, that's all credit to Ross for, for putting it out there and, and having the newer information and, and for framing it to the way that he did that it's easy to understand. But um, that's not like – it's over. It, it, there's a lot to, to play out in the court system, and, and we have no idea just yet. Are they getting a bunch of money? Are they going to get all that $40 million per? And, and I don't know. That's still to be figured out. And, and until we know all of that, it's hard to kind of get a solid position on what it is going to look like. When we come back, we're going to get to a super chat. We're going to get to Jim Choi and his thoughts about the Oregon State-Washington State Alliance of Scheduling perhaps with the Mountain West Conference, and how does that benefit the Mountain West Conference? Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie, Emery Winter, Levi Caraway do so much for us behind the scenes, but Garrett uh, is here every day with us in the studio. Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina, I'm David Smoke, back with a lot more. We're not done. We're going to jump into the chat room as well, and this is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental got a text message today that I have a dental appointment next week. And it's the one for that top left molar that was fixed, uh, that was given a chance to stop having any issues. But there is still the chance that I might have to have a crown put in and or who knows, maybe an implant. But that's okay. I know it's coming. I know that that tooth is better now because it was starting to bother me quite a bit, like maybe two or three others that I've had in my uh, my dental work uh, because I did not quite treat things the way I should. And I, I mean this is coming from me. I used to have a terrible habit of just chewing and sucking on lozenges all of the time because of my throat, and especially during football season. And, and it got to the point where, in the end, Dr. Childress asked me, he goes, what in the hell have you been eating that might have rotted a couple of your teeth? 
lozenges filled with sugar. Haven't had one of those, and I can't remember. It's been a long, long time. So if you're not taking care of your dental work, it's going to come back to haunt you eventually. And if you keep hiding from the dentist, it's going to get worse. Take it from me, Dr. Steve Childress, Stonewood Denim in Robinson, Texas. During Jeep Adventure Days, Alan Samuels in Waco is celebrating with an incredible line of 2023 models like the Grand Cherokee, Renegade, Wrangler, and Gladiator. Come see what Alan Samuels can offer you and your family and find the Jeep SUV that fits your lifestyle. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. All right, a couple other stories, and thank you for the chat room. Um, there are Astros fans and there are Rangers fans in the chat room, and it's no different if Texas OU or Baylor TCU or Texas Tech and whoever. Uh, Oklahoma State, people are going at it, and, and that's fine. But one thing, um, 
And Craig will have off the radar with different stories, sports stories at 445, including maybe more on baseball. This is a tweet from Brian McTaggart, who covers the Astros. Remember we used to have him on, Paul? Yeah. And I remember one of the last times I tried to contact him about a segment. It, it, I never, re- I don't think he was available, and that's fine. This was on October 1st when the season ended. The Rangers partied last night while the Astros had a champagne toast and quickly turned their attention to Sunday and one more win. This is before they captured the AL West on the last day of the season. Houston's been there, done that mentality paid off, it seems. And they won, and the Rangers lost to Seattle, and we know about That's why there were four games in Houston. Chuck Cooperstein, who was on with us yesterday, this comment wasn't very bright then. It sure as hell is it now. Go spray some more champagne, Rangers. Winning is fun. Go and take it. Yeah, um, and Brian McTaggart took a lot of flack for that tweet uh, from the actual Rangers. They were they were mad because he works for MLB.com, and they they kind of thought that that was a shot. I I don't think Brian McTaggart was taking a shot, but. Also, like, the comparison in the tweet was Houston's been there, done that. Well, yes, they have. The Rangers lost 102 games two years ago. So, yeah, they were going to celebrate because this is a a group of guys – Several of them that were there when they were that bad, and then they were not good again a year ago, although they had some some you know potential bright spots with Marcus Simeon and, and, and Corey Seager coming in and Garcia getting better and all, all those things happening. But nobody saw this coming, so here they are. Plus, the you know home field advantage was nil in this series considering the road team won every single game. Congrats on the division title, Brian. <laughs> 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 I do think he was being a smart ass, and I oh, absolutely he, think yeah, he was doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. he was. He knew what he was doing with that tweet, and, and I to know his own audience. And and to, yeah, yeah, I mean, he was playing to Astros fans, which at the time, like in the moment, looks great, and after the fact, it uh, it obviously looks a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, I don't know the guy. He does a good job. Obviously, he's got a um, you know a big reader base and, and all of that. But uh, yeah, I think that that was him trying to take a shot, and it came back to bite him. And uh, you know, I, I think that that was indicative by his mentions probably last night. I think if you were to go look at his Twitter mentions from the last twenty four hours, they're they're probably very interesting and filled with lots of Rangers fans. But no, I mean he, that was that was definitely him trying to take a shot, and it's uh it's just interesting how it all works out in the end. All right, so super chat. Thank you very much from uh, Cougar fan. Super chat from Payson Cougar fan. $5. Maybe it's time to mic up the quarterback's helmets. It's a great super chat because we appreciate the support. But it's also something that the Michigan story, there has been discussion about this. It's a money issue because the NFL is like no big deal. And I think that you will see this now happen in the offseason that college football quarterbacks will have microphones or headsets, whatever, some sort of something in their helmets starting by 2024. Well, look, it, to me, it's just kind of an extension package on your coach's headsets anyway, which I know, like, at the time when they made the decision, there was less money flowing in, but I think there can be some subsidization of this to make it fair across the board. And, look, everybody's got radios anyway. Like, the coaches have their things, so – I'm not buying that it's too expensive anymore, especially given how wireless technology is not that expensive anymore. So when you've got all the money you have coming in, you can do this and it, it will save you problems on the back end. I'm not I'm not buying that. Like I might buy the 
in-person scouting, you know, there's schools that just don't want to spend that travel budget right now, but having a couple helmets with radios in them, I don't think that's uh I don't think that's as much as uh as much as it maybe used to be. Well, we don't have Mac for very long today, Craig, but that wouldn't be a bad question as an AD has to handle the budget and whether that's even been discussed before. Yeah, I mean, write it on down. I think that, uh, yeah, that's a good thing to, to probably ask, but uh, it just goes to show you how silly some of the uh, NCAA rules are because of how uh, profound. Like, I think, um, gosh, one of the articles, it might have been like Dan Wetzel or something, there's a quote from Dion about how they have like everybody's whole game. You have like all of this at your disposal, and it's well within the rules. But you know, there's this gray area. But in the case of Michigan, there's not really a gray area. Like they either cheated or they didn't. And you know, you can say, well, everybody does it or whatever. But I mean, the the point of the, the conversation, the way you brought it up, is these headsets. I think uh, technology is better uh, than it was when they first thought about this idea. And I think if you want to avoid situations like Michigan, if it's this big, damning story then okay how do you go about preventing that from happening again well you can't you know move all the people out of the stadium you can't check everybody's ticket and make sure that it's not like the newest version of um of this guy so of stallions um thinking of his name stallions uh so yeah i mean it seems like a pretty simple easy clear solution sure uh, a pricey one to some extent but you mean to tell me that they can't find a way to come together and, and find the money to to get everybody suited up uh the way that they would need to to, to pull this off, uh, I think it's a pretty simple answer, uh, although, like I said, an expensive one, but one that's well worth it to avoid situations exactly like this. I mean, that's the only way you're going to avoid uh, a Stallions situation potentially um, because you're, again, not going to be able to like check everybody in every stadium every Saturday or, or every Thursday, Friday, whenever. So, yeah, uh, have the, the closed lines of communication. I know there were worries about – you know, it wasn't just the price; it was also just the technology at the time. You know, bleeding signals and mm-hmm. uh, frequency issues and things like that. But again, that was years ago, so I would think that that would be uh, a lot easier to, uh, you know, be able to, to check that box versus the the last time around. So yeah, it just it seems logical and and like the best thing to do moving forward. Would it surprise you that if at times high school football coaching staffs have issues in the press box with their headsets on the road against somebody? that's a rival that might not just be a coincidence. You don't think that there's probably a few teams that wouldn't jam their channels a little bit. Uh, That's a possibility too. The the problem is in college, like the, the juice and the squeeze is probably not like if, if you're doing that, so say Michigan like decides to do that to Ohio state, Ohio state's going to know really quick. And then Michigan's got to take their headsets off too. No, you're right. Uh, But even if it's like, maybe not even a series is over. But yeah, yeah, when you've got, when you've got these uh, high school coaches that have the same thing, like it, it takes longer to kind of adjudicate it out, like in the moment of the game. And sometimes you just got a guy working on it who, who can't figure out that like, Oh, that's broken. I didn't do it right this week or, or whatever. But the minute that you don't have a headset, you just tell the official like, hey, we don't have headset. Tell them to take theirs off. And then that's over. So, yeah, I don't know if that's, you know, again, you know, they're going to great lengths to send Connor Stallions all over the Big Ten. I, don't, I just don't think that that. From, from, from Marcus Emmert, uh, do you think that Michigan should be punished now and taken out of the playoff race? No. Uh, no. Absolutely No, one, we don't know all the real, like, we don't know a lot. We're seeing a lot, and there's a lot of media outlets that are getting a lot of information from others. Uh, But I I don't know what jurisdiction is here or whether or not that jurisdiction would be enough to overturn that. Is this going to be one of those things a year from now or so they they decide that 
they were and they get they're guilty and all that and they don't they, they take them out of the national championship if they want it it's like reggie bush won the heisman trophy no matter and i'm a heisman voter no matter if his name's included in that year well, of 2005 or not. I, I think this this is an interesting moment for the NCAA because if you have the evidence that can prove he did it now, if you can prove he did it now, and you can fast-track this thing and say, yes, we know that you did it now, and you did it for the Minnesota game, and you did it for the Rutgers game, and those were this season, then maybe you can get that moved as quickly as an ineligible player type of thing. But if you can't prove it now, if you can't prove it before the end of the season, then unfortunately, Jim Harbaugh gets to skate because, again, what can they do to him? Well, if they can't do it now... You think the Big Ten's going to... The NCAA rules, the Big Ten has to rule. You think they're going to hurt one of their own? Even though there's a lot yes. of teams... Do you think they want to set themselves up for that lawsuit? Yeah. They're in the middle of a season going to sit there off of accusations and yeah. completely derail an entire season? No, that's not... No. There's zero chance uh, of that happening. Yeah, unless they can... Like I said, if they can prove it now, like yeah, definitively, I mean, that like, here are the things that we know that you did... Here's communication you from Jim Harbaugh to Stallion saying, yeah. hey, go scout this game. Here's text messages, and here's like a whole criminal layout then yeah, like that would be different, but we have yet to see anything yeah. along those lines. We see pictures that are fuzzy with arrows pointing to yeah. what may be signals, what might be a program. We don't really know. It looks fishy, but we're not sure. And so yeah, that's not enough. If, if all these steps f- feed together and it was what Connor Stallions was doing, then yeah, if you can prove that, but can you prove that in a month? That's what they have to do when they have not been able to prove anything in like no, a they, decade they, sometimes. They move like an iceberg. Yeah, right. They, they, they move... Uh, Marcus, I don't think they make the allegations if they don't already have the proof. Um, yeah, so. I mean, there's there's part to that, but is it enough to sit there and, and slam their fist down right now? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there needs to be more coming out for me to feel strongly one way or the other, and, and I've seen you know the little bits and pieces here and there, but I've also seen that in regards to stories that have nothing to do revolving around sports, and it turns out to be absolutely nothing in the end. So uh, I, I don't think this is a wild goose chase. I think, like I said uh, – I've said a few times now in the last few days, uh, I absolutely believe that there's probably something going on. I wouldn't doubt it. You could change the name of the coach, change the name of the school, turn it into anything you want to, and I'll be like, yep, probably did, probably probably is happening. It's like all these articles. Everybody's acknowledging that, that sign stealing is going on. Like Everybody acknowledges that they pretty much know – you know, what's coming, but it's a matter of can you stop it or not. So uh, I don't know how they handle Michigan. I'll, I'll let the people who can do that decide how to do that. Um, but as far as the, the mics and helmets thing, like I just think that that's an absolute no-brainer, and it's kind of silly that uh, they're not even, you know, at that point when, uh, as Matt Rule pointed out in, in the Yahoo article, like the NFL has it, high school football has it, college is like the only entity that doesn't have that pretty much geared up and you know he pointed out he said it's because coaches don't want to have to you, you get rid of all the dumb signs on the sidelines you get rid of all these these poster boards with all the you know whatever gimmicky stuff and you can just call signals into the helmet like pros or high school kids do uh but rule took a little bit of a shot and says because he thinks he coaches don't want to have to be, have to teach all that they don't want to have to teach hand signals they don't want to have to get into that part of the game and so uh, that was that was his opinion, and I know there's various others out there, but I, that that part of this whole story just seems like the easiest to put a bow on and say, "All right, that's the move. Let's move on and figure out what's really going on with the, the spy part of this whole yeah, thing." Yeah, uh, Kim Coulter, thank you, super chat. Craig nailed it on on the on the uh, solution. Paxton, technology, use it. 
Uh, Mike Bean, how much can it be? I don't know. That's it. I don't know if we'll have time well, to ask Mac this week, I, but I'll ask him at some I, point. I will tell you this. It won't be a the, dollar and a nickel. No, it's not. But I think that the whole we don't have any money bullcrap yeah. is really getting tired. No, that's not going to work. Because either. it's not going to like, – if I pick up the – I'm sorry, you don't pick up newspapers anymore. When I go online and read that schools are getting, even if it's like just $15 million a year, you can't take some of that for your operational budget uh, and buy some headsets? No, uh, Canelio, I smell a sponsorship with the mighty Radio Shack coming on with the radios in the helmets. <laughs> Wait, I wish it's they great, still existed. Or, 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 or Verizon or whoever it might be, AT&T, uh, they spend money. Put the stuff okay. in the helmets, everybody wins. Look look at every NFL team's headset, and what do you see right here? You see a logo of somebody, and it's, it's the NFL sponsorship. But there are ways to do this, so every excuse they've had is just – it's just stuck in the mud. It's just nonsense. So just do it. You've got – like, the money thing made sense in 1994. Yes. When you made those rules in 1994, when the NFL got raised in the helmets and you said, we can't afford this now, yeah, it made sense. But we're 15 TV deals into this thing now, and everybody's getting more money, so stop it. Yeah, and I mean, you might say then that it, it's easy for Ohio State to do this and most of the Power Five, Group of Five, but what about the lower levels? And, like, I'm okay, it can't accommodate everybody necessarily. Maybe it's a, you know – FCS, it takes like another year to get that. But, I mean, yeah, they can find the money somewhere. By God. I mean, the money is the, the last of the worries, except for, you know, certain athletic departments, it is a reality. But for the most part, we're talking big-time college football. We're not talking, and this is not disrespectful, but, like, it's not like we're trying to um, get, like, the whole junior college conferences all together and get all them. You know, like, it's not yep. everybody has to have it right away and – or nothing. I mean, but I think big time Division One college football. This seems like a pretty simple solution. And yeah, for most schools, they can find a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever it would. Just don't spend as highly on the numerous things that you spend on. The waterfalls like, in the locker. Yeah, room. like yeah. I mean, just take a little bit back from the cookie cake budget or you know the vehicle budget or whatever, and boom, done, and it's over with, and there's no more you know sign stealing scandal in college football until there's somebody that finds a new way to steal signs. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing, too, with Michigan, and, and as one of the commenters said, you know, well, don't they have proof, and that's why they're bringing it forward. I think there's proof that there was something going on. I don't know if it's, like, 100% proven that it was as nefarious as it's being laid out to be, although it, all signs point to that. But the thing is, nobody cares about Stallions. They want Harbaugh. That's who that – and that hasn't trickled up to him just yet. That's where you would have, like, the real – And hasn't he been yeah. outspoken about well, the NCAA? Look, his, like, yeah. His possible deniability still exists in that, like, look, I just thought this kid was good, right? Like, yeah. he's just really good at doing this. I had no idea. If there's not a paper trail yeah, I or mean, any kind of – Well, that's uh, what changes it. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. So, Skullcandy's about to clean up with college football sponsorship. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, yeah, knock it out. But, yeah, I think that's where that's where they hit the wall and, like, Trying to prove it before Michigan would get in the college football playoff or play for the Big Ten title uh, is going to be hard because you're, again, like Craig said, they want Harbaugh. Because you can say, well, Connor Stallions did this, and then they can be like, all right, well, he's suspended, and he's out, and he's got to show cause, and whatever you want to do, you can't hire Connor Stallions. And when they ask, you know, Jim Harbaugh, like, well, what information you get from him? He can just say, well, I just thought the kid was damn good. Yeah, but it, that, that, unless, I mean, that's, and that's, if there's not a paper trail but, or in that way, yeah. some and, sort of. Because uh, if there's not, then he yeah. can say that and then people can believe him at your peril. But 
again, it's still you got to prove it. Although uh, I will say, you know, that and that would be probably the the logical way to go about it. But isn't it all revolving back around to it's your program? You're the head yep. coach. You should know everything that's going on mm-hmm. inside your office walls. Yeah, we've seen other guys go down because we're going to yep. do that for for other things. I, I don't see why this would be any different. So yeah, I mean. If it was happening under his watch, whether he was watching or not, it's still his responsibility as the head coach to know that or have the system set up to where he would know that. So, yeah, that's that's all – that needs to be unpacked, much like the the lawsuit with the Pac-12 going on needs to be unpacked more. This uh, Michigan and Harbaugh and Stallions, this whole saga needs to be unpacked a bit more. But uh, it's it's there's a lot of smoke out there. That That's for dang sure. And um, – yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting road we're on here. Yeah, is he? Is there any receipts that he was reimbursed for the tickets that he bought that were in his name? I, there's a lot to get to. We have to take a break. When we come back, what a great win for Utah on Saturday against USC. Uh, they did it the Utah way. Uh, what's going on with them? Josh Newman from KSL in Salt Lake City will join us. Mac Rhodes, Craig's off the radar. We'll check in with RJ. Abadia, he covers USC and what kind of a week it's been for them already. And then, of course, John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist and Paul's top five. There's a lot to get to. Thank you for your time. And this is 365 Sports. Car's price right, day and night. Average your car in Texas. Trucks built for you, red, white, and blue. Average your car in Texas. Cars that zoom. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bars, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly. 
Assembly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. We start this 4 o'clock hour. Josh Newman, KSL contributor of Salt Lake City, joins us on Utah on 365 Sports. Uh, Josh, we appreciate your time. Is this... Perhaps Kyle Whittingham and his staff's best coaching job, despite their success and what they've done in recent years? You know, that's a great question. Um, I said the same thing in 2021, okay, when they were dealing with two player deaths in nine months and they, you know, they pushed through that grief and they won the Pac 12. And then I said the same thing last year, right? 22 was better than 21 because they were dealing with a mountain of injuries and Cam Rising was banged up for the last six games. And they beat USC twice and won the Pac-12 again. And here we are, right? There's more injuries now in 2023, more more season-ending injuries to two deep guys, including Rising, including Brand Keithy. And they're six and one. They're somehow six and one. They just beat USC. And if they beat Oregon on Saturday, they're going to be in position to at least challenge for the Pac-12 championship again. It's a it it it. it it's a, it's, a, it's a remarkable job that Whittingham has done here with his staff, plugging guys in, the amount of guys they've lost. Uh, it, it's been ugly, okay? The defense has played at a championship level, but the offense for about five weeks was bogged down in mud. And it was the defense that was carrying, you know, the vast majority of the load. But now in the last week, the last two weeks, you're starting to see things settle down, okay? Rising is ruled out for the year. You're not guessing on that anymore. Bryson Barnes looked really good at quarterback. Uh, Sione Vaki, who was their all pac 12 caliber safety, is now playing offense. He's been a revelation. So just given the things that have gone on here, yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider this, um, you know, Kyle Whittingham's best coaching job. And, you know, there's still five games to go. What is the difference in Bryson Barnes other than playing against the USC defense last week? <laughs> um, look, he, he – He's not Cam Rising, okay? Uh, Bryson Barnes was a former walk-on who played in Utah's uh, smallest high school classification, uh, you know, in high school. So, look, he doesn't he doesn't do anything super well, okay? But what he does is he has a very firm command of the offense, very firm command of the offense. He does not turn the ball over. Look, he had a pick six against USC, fine. But generally speaking, he takes care of the ball. He makes good decisions. And look, for a while there, as they were waiting for Rising, Rising was cleared for practice and was getting, like, a lot of first-team reps 
only to get ruled out on Thursday and be like, hey, Bryson Barnes, it's Thursday night. You're starting. But no, there's no more of that. Okay, Rising is out. Barnes is getting all of the first-team reps now throughout practice. And what I think that's doing for Bryson Barnes is he is getting a lot more comfortable and a lot, and a lot more confident being able to go through a week not looking over his shoulder, getting all of the reps. And I think that's a real big reason why you've seen the best of what Bryson Barnes can be here these last two weeks. Josh, could you describe just the, the balance of emotions with the news that uh, Cam Rising and, and Brent Keithy are going to miss the rest of the season? Um, and just the fact that uh, is there, you know, obviously bummed out that we're not going to see two talented and two of the best players, you know, in the Pac-12 in, in college football. But is there almost a relief of kind of just there's finality there and, and Utah as a program can kind of pick up, move forward with what they have? How, how, how would you explain that? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think, you know, it, it had been trending this way for a while that they were going to, you know, uh, try to save the year, take the medical redshirt. That became official late last week. But I think that's where it was headed for probably two or three weeks as like, you know, as rising, you know, wasn't cleared and Keith is not clear. Like at some point you have to, you have to move past it. So yes, I think uh, to call it a sense of relief is accurate. It was certainly something that has been like hovering o- over the program uh, for not weeks, for months. Okay, so there is some finality. Rising's not playing. Keithy's not playing. You can move forward. Kyle Whittingham can stop being asked those questions by people like me. He doesn't have to answer those questions anymore. And, yeah, you move forward with what you have. It's not a perfect situation. But, again, Bryson Barnes has showed some things in these last two weeks where you're, you're – uh, how do I put this? You have a renewed sense of optimism in terms of what this Utah season could be after a lot of people thought that it might be dead in the water just two or three weeks ago. Josh, uh, is, is, has everything kind of settled down with the Utah fan base now that they are, in fact, going to be a part of the Big 12 where it was such a kind of a you know negative and maybe we don't want to be a part of it? Is that now even in play right now? Or are they focused only on right now? You know what? You, you do get the fan. Well, okay. Yes, things have calmed down. Okay. It's done. It's signed. It was a long summer. People were stressed out, right? They didn't want to get left behind uh, as Washington State and Oregon State are experiencing right now. So, yes, generally speaking, things have calmed down. I think there is, um, there is a sense from fans that, look, they're excited. They're, you know, they're intrigued. There's been a lot of back and forth uh, talking with other Big 12 fan bases. So I think that has people, you know, excited for something new. Um, you know, this fan base travels pretty well. Uh, it seems like a lot of them have never been to places like Ames, Iowa and Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, so, um, look, people are focused on this season and what this season could still be. But certainly in the background, you, you, you know, there is a sense of excitement for what's to come beyond this season. They have Oregon this week. That is a very tall task. Um, you know, Bo Nix and that offense are, have been spectacular pretty much every week. Um, what do they need to get done in that game to to win it? Oh, wow, that's a that's a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> first of all, you have to – I don't think you're going to slow down Bo Nix, but you certainly have to limit, you know, what he's able to do. I remember when they played last year, um, Oregon had, had a great offensive scheme, right? They would – they would get the ball out of Bo Nix's hands very quickly. He was he was doing a two-step drop, getting rid of it, because you knew that Morgan Scally, the defensive coordinator at Utah, wanted to wanted to send pressure, do some exotic stuff, send his safeties 
you know, to try to get Bo Nix. So you have to, you you have to at least find a way to slow him down. But then look, Oregon is so balanced, right? They're probably the most balanced team in the Pac-12. That if you slow down Bo Nix, you still have to deal with, um, you have to deal um, with Bucky Irving, right? They're running back. So look, that's a lowly question. What does Utah have to do? They have to play really, really well and really, really sound. Um, again, you know, as I said earlier, the defense is playing at a at a championship level. The defense has been terrific. That has to continue. And what else has to continue is again this sort of revelation on on offense where you've got you know Bryson Barnes being smart, being protective of, of the football, and also Sione Vaki now you know in a direct snap situation, wildcat, uh, throw him a wheel route here and there. Everything has to be really, really close to perfect for Utah to beat this very good Oregon team. Josh, can you put more of a spotlight and shed some more light on Sione Vaki for those who don't know about his story or, or have not been able to watch him? If they watched last week. They obviously saw a ton of him. They watched Utah see a ton of him. But um, a guy that probably, would you agree, is not getting talked about enough, especially when there's others out there who might play both ways. Uh, Travis Hunter immediately comes to mind. They get a lot of attention. But, man, what a stud uh, Sione Vaki is. Yeah, he's been terrific. So just for some context, uh, the running back room at Utah uh, was has been decimated by by injury. Uh, Chris Curry is out for the year, and uh, Mikai Bernard is out for the year. Jaquindon Jackson, who you know went to Duncanville, started his career at Texas, he's been banged up, or he was banged up. He's healthy now, but he was banged up. So with all of that, you were looking for some help in your running back room. Uh, Sione Vaki, who's a kid from Southern California. Uh, he again, he's a safety, uh, all Pac-12 caliber free safety, but he had experience in high school as a slot receiver as well. Put up some big numbers out of the slot. So, you know, as Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator, you know, told us a couple of weeks ago, you are trying to leverage the best athletes on your team. So, to add to the running back room, they bring in Sione Vaki, and he was terrific against Cal a couple of weeks ago. You know, uh, I think it was 156 on the ground, two touchdowns. Like, okay, so. This is no longer an experiment. This is working. We're doing this again against USC. Two touchdowns again, 217 all-purpose yards, and I th- on, I think, 15 touches. This is a bona fide stud, and in, you know, in, all of a sudden, an irreplaceable piece of the Utah offense. So I think the next question here is, at some point, do you take Sione Vaki off the defense entirely and have him strictly play offense? I don't think that happens versus Oregon, okay, because you have to throw the entire kitchen sink at Oregon, so you have to go both ways. But down the stretch here against teams like Arizona State, Arizona, teams that you should be able to handle, do you experiment with making Vaki a full-time offensive player and leaning on what is admittedly you have a lot of depth in your defensive backfield where you can probably get away with taking Sione Vaki off that unit? Final thing, I mean, it's it's the end of the Pac-12. We, we know all that, although these two teams could meet again in, in the championship game. But how would you describe the, the back and forth, the rivalry between the Utes and the Ducks? You know, it's been um, – that's a great question. Look, Utah and USC hate each other. The fan bases hate each other. The teams hate each other. I think from a Utah-Oregon perspective, there's a bit more of a healthy respect in terms of, you know, their rosters and their fan bases and the head coaches, you know, certainly not Dan Lanning. He hasn't been there that long, but Mario Cristobal, Chip Kelly before him. Kyle Whittingham is friendly with those two men. So, um, and look, Utah and Oregon have played some terrific games over the years. Uh, 2015, when Utah went into Austin and dropped like 65 points on them, 
They played in the Pac-12 championship game uh, in 2019, a game that Oregon won. They played twice in 2021. Utah won both of those, including the Pac-12 championship game. So there's a lot of respect between these two teams, a lot of respect between these two fan bases. And it's a real shame what's happened to the Pac-12 because, look, Utah-USC might not have been a true college football rivalry, but that was a game that more times than not, it mattered, and it had stakes attached to it. Utah-Oregon is kind of that same thing, okay? Not a true football rivalry, okay? They've only been playing since 2011, but every time they play, there's a spotlight, okay? Game day is coming to Salt Lake City this week. There's something at stake, okay? The loser is probably out of the mix for the Pac-12 championship game, and if Oregon wins, they're remaining on track for college football playoff contention. So um, it's a real shame what's happened to the Pac-12 because these types of series have really built up steam, built up momentum over the years, and unfortunately, that now goes away. Josh, one thing on the quarterback position, and, and Bryson Barnes, what he did is great. Nate Johnson had a bad game, I think even apologized after the UCLA game. Uh, if I miss something, is he just not in the picture right now because of Iaki and because Barnes, is he injured or just not a part of anything now? No, he's not injured. It's it's a situation where, you know, they were going two quarterbacks for a while between Johnson and Barnes. Johnson struggled with the offense. Okay. Uh, even in games he was winning, right? Bryson Barnes honestly genuinely has a superior command of this offense, second only to Cam Rising. So Barnes has a better arm. He's more capable, knows the offense better. And if, you know, if Sione Vaki is in there, which he's going to be, Sione Vaki does what Nate Johnson does only better so look there's only so many reps during a practice week mm-hmm. there's only so many reps during a game so it's unfortunate because you know nate johnson's skill set you know generally demands that he'd be on the field in some respect he's just the odd man out you're essentially you know two guys uh, excuse me three guys for two spots and johnson is the odd man out right now well could you please then go ask kyle Whittingham to uh Whittingham to erase bringing in nate johnson at the end of the game against baylor uh, because so. <laughs> he he well done. he saved that game. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time, Josh. Is always great stuff. All right, guys. Be good. Thank you, Josh Newman, contributor to KSL in Salt Lake City on the Utah run and who they are, the personality of that team, very much like their head coach and Kyle Whittingham, and good for Bryson Barnes. That big scramble uh, that led to a, a great flip of the field position. Obviously, there was, as you guys mentioned yesterday, the Bear Alexander penalty. Too. When we come back, Baylor's director of athletics, Mac Rhodes, he's got meetings galore. We'll have him for about 10 or 12 minutes. That's next. This is 365 Sports. Pioneer, steel and pipe. Steel, pipe, metal, big, heavy equipment. Uh, for those who are contractors or if you're a weekend warrior that likes to do your own thing and it could be that you're trying to build something. If you are, you need to get in touch with the great people at Pioneer Steel and Pipe and their location now, bigger, better, faster, stronger than ever before on Highway 6 and Loop 340 east of 35 in Waco. 1943, they opened up their doors and here they are with what they do. And now because of the growth, the stability, the loyalty, the commitment from you and also, of course, first of all, from them to you, uh, they have 
such a beautiful location. Uh, a 2,500-square-foot showroom with a 1,000 new products to show for you, the customer. And, of course, also the efficiency of getting what you have ordered to pick it up, whether it's with a big 18-wheeler, whether it's a trailer or pickup truck, whatever it is, they have that even better than ever before because they just have so many more bays and the efficiency and timing of you picking something up. The different levels as far as uh, lengths of product that don't have to be cut. You pick them up at the length of 6 foot, 10 foot, whatever foot you want, they have it. 1943, pioneerboys.com. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. <laughs> Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Some say a dog is a man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing better than some cows, pigs, and turkeys, too. I love to cover them in sauce down in Rudy's Barbecue. Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. 
The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And this segment with Vader, Director of Athletics, Mac Road, brought to you by Edward Jones Financial Advisors. Mac, thank you for your time today. With the story that's out there, and we don't know all the details yet involving Michigan and possibly a staffer being at stadiums and filming or whatever, the question has been, have you all ever, as a, as a university or an athletic department or whoever, thought about devices in the helmets? Is that a money issue? What has that ever been discussed before among you and others? Yeah, so it's uh, it's an NCA issue. Um uh, so, uh, and it's, and it's one, your, your, your question is, is great timing because it's one that is beginning to pick up some momentum and, uh, we're beginning to have those, uh, conversations, um, you know, with the uh, football oversight committee and, um, and, and others. And so I, I do think it's, it's coming. Um, I don't know that, you know, it's, it's here in the next, uh, six months, but finding a way to, to be able to communicate with IE, like the, the quarterback on the field, um, you know, like the NFL does, uh, et cetera. So I think technology on the, on the sideline and communication with, with student athletes is, uh, is in, in our horizon. Is uh, money was the excuse, the first, or the reason, I don't know the excuse is bad. There was a reason the first time, but there's more money flowing through now. I know that like, it doesn't go as far as maybe some fans think it does, but w- is there enough money rolling through where this can be at least subsidized at a conference or NCAA level to make sure that at least all the FBS teams have access to this? Yeah, Paul, that's a fair question, and I don't know that we have the answer for that. You know, I don't think we've we've dug into it deep enough yet. And, you know, what does it mean, you know, in reality, cost per institution? You know, could everybody afford it? Could only those in the, in the Power 5 or Power 4? afford it. So I think that's, Paul, some of the, the work that's ahead of us when we when we think about the reality of it and uh, and when and, and how and who. Mac, your football program went up to Cincinnati, the first Big 12 conference game against the uh, Bearcats uh, as, uh, as members and walked out with a win. Uh, just your thoughts on the, the experience going to Cincy for the first time in, in that setting and, and also seeing your football team come off the bye week and get a much needed victory. Yeah. So first, let me let me speak to the uh, setting. You know, I, I thought Cincinnati did a great job of, of hosting. Um, every place we go uh, is is done really really well. But I thought that they were even at, at maybe a, a next level higher. You know, one of the things that that I thought of when I walked immediately into the stadium, and I'd been there before when I was at the University of Houston, was this is a Power Five field. Uh, the magnitude of it, the stadium everything about it and uh so it was just reassurance uh and you know enforcement that reinforcement that uh you know cincinnati absolutely was was the right pick in terms of joining our conference and and strengthening it and and making us better here in the future and then you know the game look it's hard to win on the road um it it is and you know for us to go in there and uh and compete against a a good cincinnati team and the ebbs and flows the ups and downs uh within the game and and to be able to walk away you know again obviously excited for 
and happy for our players first and foremost, but also Coach Aranda and the staff. And you know the 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 off week leading up, uh, really proud of of the way Coach Aranda handled that, and um, and and the staff and the players. I thought it was a great time of self reflection. You know, uh, people looking uh, at themselves in the mirror. You know, I thought the, the staff did a great job in terms of a self-scout and, you know, where the offensive staff scouted the defensive staff and, and vice versa presenting to, to each other, you know, how they would uh, attack us. And so I thought, you know, that was just some really, really, uh, I thought, um, sound um, way to, to, to really, you know, think about, you know, our, our strengths and our and our weaknesses and, you know, what's what's remained consistent throughout um, this entire year has been the, the unity amongst the, the, the staff and the players. Mac, a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago, I asked you about uh, all the time that you spent involved with the Big 12 and the and realignment and all of that, the recruitment of other schools and programs, and it was enormous, and a lot of people maybe don't know that. And then yet again, your role as the athletic director at Baylor uh, when you're in that role, is it what you're doing, not only try to help the conference, but in the end, isn't that what you're doing is also try to help m- the number one thing is help Baylor? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a balance to all of it. Right. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a person that, that have always, that's, it's, it's always been my adrenaline, right. To have uh, a lot of different things on on my plate and you know I gain energy and fuel from those types of challenges and you know it was a it was a great challenge to to be able to and honor by the way to be able to you know do do what I could to, to help the the Big 12 to work alongside our ADs and our and our great commissioner and find a spot you know of, of tremendous stability for for the Big 12 and uh and so again, it, it was certainly a really, really critical time for the Big 12, but also for our university and our in our athletics program. And and to be part of that, um, you know, I, I'm honored and I'm glad that that I was able to do that. And you're right, Smoke. That was always about how do we position, you know, Baylor best, not just for today, but for tomorrow. And a a stronger Big 12, a healthy Big 12. Uh, a Big 12 with a viable future, right, is is something really, really good with for for Baylor ath- athletics. And then, you know, I, I would just say that, um, you know, I've got great people. Uh, we've got a great staff here here at Baylor and in the athletics program. And um, you know, it's it's one of my my great joys to to be able to work with them each and every day. And so, um, when you have great people surrounded around you right you you've got confidence that things aren't going to fall in between the cracks and things are going to move forward at a at a at a at a fast pace and 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 the way you want to right and that there's going to be execution at a at an elite level and so you know um i'm i'm one that you know i love that man i i love uh, being part of both of them and being able to, to, to do all of it. And sure, it, it made for a fast pace and, and quite frankly, a really, really packed summer with, with no break at all. But, um, you know, it was, you know, I look back at it and say, man, it, that, was a, that was a really a cool and special time. 
Mac, uh, as a, a person who has to lead an athletic department and make decisions based on long-term and short-term factors, how do you how do you work through being prisoner of the moment of this is bad now, this is great now? Where's where's the center in, in making decisions? Yeah, Paul, that's that's such a great question. Um, it's hard, and just being quite frank, um, you know, I'm probably you know. Um, a little bit emotional or on the emotional side. And so, you know, having to, you know, uh, work through that every day, you know, make uh, sound decisions in the moment and not let your, your emotions get the, get the best of you and, 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 and really think about, you know, facts and, and, um, and totality of stuff and, you know, how, how does a, a short-term decision, you know, impact a long-term decision? You know, all of those things, you know, you've got to balance having the, the, the perspective, the uh, myopic perspective versus, you know, um, uh, a, a larger, broader view, right? So it's something that, you know, um, that I, you know, that I'm challenged with, you know, every day. And, um, you know, um, but I'm, what I'm focused on is, is trying to make the most constructive best decisions, you know, on a, on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, when we think about the, the, the football, you know, program, that's where, you know, I've got such great faith in, in Dave Aranda because I don't think I've ever been around a coach that does a better job that, that actually sees areas of, of improvement, you know, better than a, better than a Dave Aranda. And so um, it's, it's one of the things that I really value about him is, is the way that he's introspective and the way that, that he can, can sit and look in the mirror and say, hey, uh, I've got to get better in these areas. Our football program's got to get better in these areas. So, um, Paul, great, great question. But that's something that, man, is a challenge for me each and, each and every day. Matt, there was, again, two or three weeks ago, I asked you about the NCAA or the Big 12 championship team, what it could be honored. There was a, a hurdle that had to be, I, I guess, uh, finished. It appears as if that's now the case with the latest lawsuit. Does that open the door up to perhaps honor the 2013 Big 12 championship team, the football team? Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, we're, we're eager to honor the, the 2013 team and, and even the, the 2014 team. And, you know, both of those, those teams were, were comprised of some really, really quality, uh, young men and, and, and what they accomplished should be celebrated. Um, they, they should be, be honored. You know, I think it's, it's really difficult right now. Smoke, you only have three weeks in, in the season left, really. And, and to be thinking about, you know, how can we do that and execute that at a high level, uh, a way that, you know, uh, they deserve, um, I think would really be hard to do to, to pull off here in the next, you know, um, three home games. So we'll find the time, but, uh, but I do promise this that, uh, they will be honored. And, uh, and we'll do it in a, in a really, really great way. We have 90 seconds left with you today. We appreciate your time. <laughs> I read the story the, about – The tennis team, men's tennis team is waiting for me. I am actually in my car sitting right outside okay. the uh, uh, tennis complex. I'll, I'll save this so. for the next time we have you on the No, no, go ahead. Uh, in go the, ahead. In the testimony or whatever, you when you were at that as a witness last week, 
There was a story brought up about former running back Devin Chaffin. You listened to his story. You understood the young man, and I know that uh, Galloway was very much involved. What did you see, and how proud are you of him, of what he's accomplished when you gave him a chance to go back to school? Yeah, so, you know, I am grateful to, to, to Gail Galloway for, for bringing it to, to my attention. Um, I, don't, I don't think I would have known otherwise. So he deserves a lot, of, a lot of credit. Now, we didn't make the decision, or I didn't make the decision, because Gail Galloway called and because he's a, he's a donor, made the decision because I thought it was the right decision, that Devin um, deserved a chance to, to finish out his, his degree. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned, you know, I had an opportunity to visit with him. I thought he was really, really sincere. I thought he was uh, extremely genuine. Uh, he had promised his, his late grandfather that, uh, that he would finish school. He has promised his family. He's married. He had, at, the, at the time, at least, you know, one child. And um, I just, you know, again, uh, thought it was the right thing to do for, for Devin. And, and by the way, Devin made the most of it. He, he completed his degree. He's, he's out working. Um, you know, there were no... Uh, charges that had been pressed um, against him. There was nothing pending. And, uh, and again, thought that he, he deserved that chance and that opportunity. And, uh, and he made the, the most of it, and uh, good for him. Thank you very much for your time. Good luck with the, uh, the tennis balls and rackets and those who hit them uh, with the programs that you have with your meeting. Thank you for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. We'll see you Saturday for homecoming Baylor and Iowa State 230 at McLean Stadium. Uh, the story about Devin Chafin, to kind of put a little bit more of a bow on that, former running back, uh, there was, a, as you know, it was a very difficult time around the campus and so much that was being said. Um, and he was dismissed. Uh, and he was 10 hours short. And the story was that Galloway, Gail Galloway went to Mac Rose to tell him about the story, that he was 10 hours short. You just heard Mac's reaction to it. We knew Devin Chafin. Uh, enjoyed talking to him. I thought he was a brilliant young man when I had a chance to visit with him and they gave him the opportunity, but there were some, I guess, policies and NCAA ways of how you gave him that chance again. They did it the right way. He got his degree. God bless him. And I'm glad that everything's worked out for him. Yeah, I, uh, I am too. Uh, Devin, um, you know, he, he's gone on to have a, a really good life. Uh, I know that he – it probably cost him a shot at the, at the NFL because of the things that, that went on uh, and how that, that process has been long and drawn out and, and ended today. Um, but I um, – yeah, his the reason he actually ultimately got dismissed from the team is he got arrested in Oklahoma yeah. for, for buying – well – he bought weed in Colorado where it's legal. And then he was driving home. He's from Burke Burnett, Texas, which is right on the border. Right on the border. And he got pulled over and stopped in a one stoplight town. Uh, and the sheriff of that town was, was uh, none too shy about um, talking about his big, gigantic um, bust of the Devin Chafin cartel. Uh, and that kind of derailed uh, Devin's uh, career at Baylor after some other things had, had happened, but there was nothing you know, charged or anything with that, uh, or accused, I guess I didn't, um, I don't want to go as far to say that they happened, but, um, but yeah, that's why he was ultimately dismissed from the team. Yeah. And, uh, so there's the story about that. The, some of the backstories that came out of the trial that ended earlier today. Uh, now we are not done. We have a lot to get to and Craig's off the radar is around the corner. 
Also, we'll hear from uh, a writer that covers. I reached out to Ryan Abraham, who covers USC very well. It's like, okay, let's get what's going on there with USC and the program, the two losses, and where do they go from here, the pressure, the intense pressure uh, with Lincoln Riley and the defensive coordinator and Caleb Williams, all of that. We'll have that today a little bit after 5 o'clock. One other note, Jacoby Walter, the freshman, basketball season is just around the corner. The freshman from Baylor, Jacoby Walter, named to the Jerry West shooting guard watch list, preseason list, a dynamic freshman that Baylor has for Scott Drew and company on their roster. This is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for great customer service, uh, for great pricing, and uh, just for a great experience. Uh, when you go over there and talk to the good folks over at Richard Carr, they're going to make car buying or car repair or whatever it is that you're looking to do a pain-free and stress-free experience, and uh, that's all you can really ask for when it comes to customer service. But uh, they do have the great deals as well. Right now, Highway 6 is a bit torn up as they have a lot of construction ongoing, so they want to make it uh, easier as you try harder uh, to go over there and buy a new Buick GMC or Cadillac. Uh, I want to make the process as easy as possible since it is a little bit more difficult to maneuver around in that area. Right now, you can save over 7000 on a new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500. And for qualified buyers, finance for 0.9%. Uh, they've got dozens of Sierra trucks on the lot. They've got inventory, pricing, financing, all set up to get you in a new GMC Sierra today. Plus, military and first responders can save an additional $500. They also have the Buicks, perfect combination of first-class luxury and value ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by jd powers buick offers amazing value and right now you can save five thousand on a new full-size 2023 buick enclave uh, or save four thousand on a 2023 mid-size buick envision and again military and first responders can save an additional five hundred dollars plus qualified buick buyers get 1.9 percent financing and no payments until 2024 if you're looking to trade uh well they've got a lot full of uh, great cars uh, trucks and suvs uh pre-owned in stock uh, for you to check out uh, and the financing goal is always 100 credit approval as they say yes when others say no but there's also their award-winning service department if you're not looking to buy a vehicle but just get the vehicle that you're in all fixed up and driving the way that you would like it to and right now they cannot be beat on tires as they offer a price match guarantee on the lowest price comparable tires in town so service your car truck with the people that you can count on for over 24 years in central texas run by proud central texans and proud bay their bears along on a richardcar.com today call now or go see them now off highway six at the imperial exit from the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible and rewarding challenge. Hi, this is Dan Ingham with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like our free First Mobile app, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. That's the First National Bank of Central Texas. Familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. 
once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. Welcome into Off the Radar here on 365 Sports, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, taking a look at uh, just a grab bag of Stories from around the sports world, including college football, and is a Tuesday, so that means the latest batch of TV ratings are out, and the top watcher, uh, the top most watched game this past weekend uh, was a doozy. Penn State and Ohio State, that was probably most people's pick, maybe Tennessee-Alabama, beyond that, not really a lot of great candidates, uh, Utah-USC perhaps would be thrown out there, but... Uh, Penn State and Ohio State, 9.96 million viewers uh, for the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions over on Fox as part of the Big Noon Saturday. Third largest audience of the season on any network. And now combined with that Notre Dame game that Ohio State played in back on September 23rd, uh, that is two of the top three games uh, watched this year involving Ohio State uh, with uh, the Penn State game now joining not only Ohio State and Notre Dame, but also Colorado and Oregon, uh, which had a little over 10 million. But yeah, Ohio State, Notre Dame, 10-5-9, Oregon, Colorado, 10-0-3, and now Penn State, Ohio State, 9-9-6. So a massive number uh, for the Nittany Lions and also for 
the uh, Buckeyes, obviously, who got the win there in the end. Uh, elsewhere, rounding out the top five most-watched games this week, you had just over $8 million for Tennessee and Alabama, a game where Tennessee looked like they were going to blow the doors off early on, and then uh, Alabama, to their credit, just uh, resilient and got the job done. Duke, Florida State, a big drop-off from 8 but uh, still very healthy number, just over $4 million for the Seminoles and Blue Devils on Saturday night. But a large gap, 9-plus, 8-plus, and then boom, all the way down to 4. But 4 still, like I, I said, a very healthy number. What's been the largest amount of audiences off this top of our head that have been above $5 million in one weekend? Has there been more than a couple of three? Well, that seems like those that's Colorado a, games, the yeah, Oregon I know, and Washington. No, we know about the 8 or 9 or whatever. I'm talking about how many – Usually get above five million in one weekend because you can't. Uh, it's usually two or three, maybe yeah. on a good weekend, but okay. uh, I don't know. I don't keep track of of all that. But uh, Michigan, Michigan State, despite not being an intriguing game whatsoever, just shows you the size of Michigan's fan base as much as anything, and and the Big Ten fan base is three seven three million for. Uh, the Wolverines and the Spartans, and then rounding out the top five, Utah and USC, 3.23 million viewers uh, for that game on Saturday night. And, of course, there's always, like, what networks games are on and all that, but Fox with the number one uh, overall game with Penn State, Ohio State, and the number five game with Utah, USC. Um, Then CBS, ABC, NBC all had uh, one single selection in that top five as well. Uh, But there were your top five. And just on the cusp of that, though, over 3 million watched Texas and Houston. Uh, that game obviously came down to the wire. Four o'clock start time was broadcast on Fox. So that was another uh, big one for the Fox uh, you know, side of things. But yeah, over three million for Texas and Houston. And of course, that's also, you know, Texas p- power, kind of like Ohio State or Michigan and all these. It doesn't always matter who they play, but certainly, um, you know, an interesting game will uh, get some viewers there at the end. Uh, but, yeah, Texas and Houston just on the outside of that top five. Uh, elsewhere, UCF Oklahoma had 2.17 million, so a very healthy number there. And uh, good exposure for the Knights. And, uh, you know, then a mixed bag of, of various games that were able to finish above a million, just some very random uh, Big Ten and SEC games. Oklahoma State, West Virginia ended up just over a million viewers, just a shade over, a 3.30 start over on ESPN. But how about Air Force Navy, 1.21 million? A very healthy number for the uh, service academies there over on CBS. But, yeah, Penn State, Ohio State, uh, far and away the top uh, watched game this week, 9.96 million. Tennessee, Bama, next best, 8.01 million. And then a big drop off the Duke, FSU, Michigan, Michigan State, Utah, and USC. So there are your ratings for this week and um, the top getters uh, when it comes to most watched college football games. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, last night we made mention of the fact that the Texas Rangers have booked their trip to the World Series, and uh, I'm a Rangers fan, Smokey's a Rangers fan, Paul's a Rangers fan, um, and uh, I'm I'm over the moon about it, but we kind of touched on the Adolis Garcia uh, side of things and him being named the MVP, and yeah, he's probably public enemy number one for most Astros fans, but I just wanted to, to make note of a couple of things that he did in this series, and that was including setting the single series RBI record, uh, and the fact that the record uh, that he broke uh, was set by Nelson Cruz, who did it back in 2011 as a member of the Texas Rangers, and we all know what happened in 2011. It was uh, Heartbreak City as they Mm. lost the World Series, and partially because of Nelson Cruz, quite frankly. They wouldn't have been in that position without him, but they sure as hell would have won a World Series if he knew how to catch a fly ball. Um, But alas, he did not. Some people still want to blame the pitcher for 
throwing a ball that could have been caught to end the World Series, but okay, Zach Burke and others, I don't really <laughs> will ever understand that. I, I blame Ron Washington. For, That's fine. For, he deserves more blame than Neftali Feliz yes, does. Uh, yes, for not saying, okay, it's the bottom of the ninth inning. Um, and you're in a national – here's the deal. You're in a National League park. Do what the National League managers do and say, we're going to put our best defenders in this game and close this thing out. Yeah. That's what he should have done. And I think Ron Washington knows he should have done that um, because, again, uh, it's Nelly Cruz's fault for not catching it, but it's Ron Washington's fault for not realizing that in those moments, he knows that Nelly Cruz is not going to get to that ball. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you have a guy on your bench, a couple of them, who would have easily gotten to it? Yeah, they would. It, 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 yeah, yeah, it was just. Oh, God, it's still look, a devastating I, moment I, to me. As a Red Sox fan as well, I can tell you look, Grady Little, and he got fired for it, was at fault for when they lost to the Yankees because when Pedro Martinez tells you, uh, I can go, I understand you're trusting the Hall of Famer, but sometimes you're the manager, and it's just said, well, no, Pedro, you see all these guys on base, that's because of you, yeah. so you're coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to pull back scabs yeah. on everything, <laughs> but um, yeah. hey, it's first time yeah. since Nelson Cruz did it, so that was pretty good, right? Yeah, so absolutely. there you go, Adolis Garcia, uh, also not only MVP of the ALCS and an all-star and all that, but set a record for RBIs in a postseason as well, not just for in a series, but uh, postseason with 15 and also has uh, set his uh, home run streak now to four consecutive games. Uh, so he's on a tear and first player as well with RBIs in six straight games uh, within a postseason series. So just accolade, 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 accolade. And uh, we will see uh, if he can keep that up in the next round of things, which of course is going to be decided uh, later on tonight as uh, we will see on the National League side of things uh, who is going to emerge in another Game 7 setting as the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Philadelphia Phillies in the city of brotherly love. And uh, this one has been a very interesting series. First pitch at 7.07 over on TBS uh, as it stands on the analytics predictor over on ESPN, the Phillies, uh, with a close to 70% chance to win this. I don't know how accurate those things are ultimately, uh, but I always just give them a glance if anything else. But y'all's thoughts uh, on Diamondbacks and Phillies. Winner punches their ticket to go face the Rangers. Philadelphia's got a lot more star power, possibly Hall of Fame star power. Uh, Arizona just has found a way to get hot at just the right time, you know? I um, I would I would sure if you're covering the series like if you're you're covering the series with all due respect Philadelphia the great sports city that it is uh, if you're playing in the series in Arizona the it's uh, covered right the stadium yeah Philadelphia it could be 38 with snow flurries you don't know I just yeah and look I, I think the Rangers this team is good at going on the road so for the they've got the home field advantage so um, so they'll be able to you know not have to go to Philly or Arizona. Uh, more than three times, but yeah, Bryce Harper scares me. He seems really locked in. Schwarber, Schwarber is not, like in the regular season, you might as well not even have him. I mean, he, he's just you know occasionally gives you a home run, but uh, October first comes around and he's yeah. Babe freaking Ruth. Yeah. So Trey Turner, yeah, and Trey Turner who started off the year he and Jose Abreu win the award for. Where the hell were you? Yeah, uh, and then they came around uh, this year. So yeah, I, I the the Phillies would scare me a little more than the the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks have Corbin Carroll and they've got an interesting young team. So uh, Corbin Carroll uh, 
is a, a really fun young superstar that's coming into the league. Uh, and I encourage people to give him a watch uh, every now and again. He can hit for power. He steals. He plays great defense. Five-tool player. I uh, love Corbin Carroll. So uh, either way it works out, uh, the Rangers are still in the World Series, but I would rather see the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, I don't want to, you know, pretend to, to you know, think that they're just going to have an easy time with either one no. of them. Um, I, I think that, you know, until I see them hoist the World Series trophy, I'm always going to be hesitant to, to believe too much just because I've had my heart broken in, in the most miserable fashion back in 2011. Um, but, yes, it will be Diamondbacks or Phillies. We, we knew that already, uh, but it will be decided later on tonight. Again, just after 7 o'clock on TBS. Uh, Garrett, if you do me a favor, just aside real quick. What's up? Uh, I, that Texas Tech tweet from the other day, can you I find that? Yeah. Okay, way, we'll, can we'll I get ask, to that. Well, Brown, you brought up, okay, I'm sorry. I was gonna we'll get to that in a second. Adolis Garcia had the monstrous series. Has anyone ever had a series like Jordan Alvarez and not won an MVP? I'm because sure, what he know. did was also spectacular. We bet I wanted, about to, I wanted right? to bring him up because he was phenomenal. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea. That's long. A lot of a lot of years this game's been played. I'm sure there's there's something close to it, but who knows? I mean, there was a lot of records broken, obviously, just by Garcia, much less uh, probably by some others as well. Because yeah, he was on a a tear. But no question. Um, yeah. yeah. What a, what a series. And, uh, you know, I'd feel bad for Astros fans, if not for all the success they've had recently. I mean, you've won a couple of World Series. You've been in seven straight championship series. I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, move over. <laughs> you know, let somebody else have fun. Um, but I know it's a, it's a tough day, uh, without a doubt, and I do uh, do feel a little bit there. Uh, but sticking with the Astros for just one more moment, word started to circulate last night that this could be Dusty Baker's uh, final uh, showing as a manager of the Astros and in, in Major League Baseball. as uh, He's gotten up there in age at this point. You wonder how many times he's going to run it back and do it over again. I think you have to think the same thing about Bochi. I mean, Bochi stepped away for three years, uh, was lured back, and, and obviously it's turned out to be a great thing for the Rangers organization. But uh, that did start to creep out pretty quickly from Astros reporters after last night's game, although I've seen nothing official as of yet. But... Um, I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody, right? No. Dusty Baker and, God, and what I a like run him. he had in Houston if, in fact, it is the end for him. I like him. A good friend of mine, uh, Jeff Austin, uh, I said he was a good friend when I was in the East Texas, but he was friends with him, like good friends with him, and used to go be able to watch them play all the time when Dusty Baker came into town with whoever else he was with. And uh, I think he's a class act. I think he was very smart the way he handled Friday's brouhaha. But I, I – I, He's a Hall of Fame manager because of what he's done, how many games he's won, and a, a pretty damn good hitter when he played for the Dodgers and Braves for quite some time. Yeah, he, um, I, uh, I, I've always been entertained by Dusty. I think he, you know, is happy that he finally got a World Series as a manager. I think that uh, any vitriol you had for the Astros was maybe assuaged last year a little bit by the fact that Dusty Baker's been doing this so long and finally got his World Series as a manager. I think it's based on some of the things his wife said, uh, he might want to just kind of go work in the front office for a little bit because he's not ready to stop, you know, being a competitor, just managing a team day to day is probably grind, yeah. 74 years old. And, um, you know, he, he, like he and Bruce Bochy were so different. Like Bruce Bochy, everything is down to like, he's got the perfect balance of gut versus science and what's going on and, and when to make moves. And Dusty 
it's all like at this point in his career, it's, it's all like, you know what, John Singleton, go out there again. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if uh, official word comes down sooner uh, this week uh, or if it drags out a little while. But, yeah, I'm sure he'll still have a place and, you know, advising or whatever and, uh, and won't stay away from baseball. Uh, but it does look like he's going to be stepping down as manager of the Astros if reports from their beat writers uh, last night are to be uh, are, are accurate. And I, I'd assume that they are. So uh, otherwise, you wouldn't have put that out there. Uh, meanwhile, should I mention the Baylor wrap-up here, the case? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They, okay. So there's, there's some yeah. finality here. We were just talking to, to Mac Rhodes about, um, you know, the various things. And, and the final lawsuit involving the, the Baylor scandal years ago uh, finally is uh, at a conclusion and is wrapped up now. And a federal court jury in Waco uh, from KWTX earlier today uh, was deliberating for nearly nine hours uh, earlier before ruling that Baylor violated Title IX requirements and was negligent in the way it handled uh, former students' claims of domestic violence assaults involving a university football player. Um, the jury awarded no monetary damages in the Title IX ruling, uh, which was basically saying that it was their fault that the assaults were happening under Title IX rules. It's, it's a very loose, basic version of events. So they found no monetary damages there, but they did award uh, the, I guess it would be plaintiff, right, uh, $270,000 uh, based on the negligence ruling. So they did find that the university was negligent uh, in their handling, I guess, of uh, her claims uh, against a former player. Uh, and this was a lawsuit that originally was against Art Bryles, and it was against you know, former ADE and McCaw, who's now at Liberty, and it was against the university. And back on Friday, those two were dismissed because there was no case. There was no legit case, uh, in the, and they decided that a jury would not see reason to, you know, to make any kind of a, a firm determination other than the obvious. So those guys were dropped from the lawsuit, but there still was this loose end as far as the university's culpability. And so, yes, uh, to, to, after nine hours of liberation, uh, she has been awarded $270,000 on the negligence side, nothing on the Title IX side. And for all intents and purposes, that basically wraps up every yep. piece of legislation, or not legislation, but uh, every legal battle uh, that has been ongoing uh, over these many years. So that is uh, is interesting, and uh, that is a note uh, that is somewhat off the radar. Uh, meanwhile, a, a couple of other college football notes. Let's go ahead and bring it up, Garrett, if you have it. This came out a couple of days ago. Uh, there's Patrick Mahomes. You may know him, um, but you see the T-shirt. Uh, the T-shirt was kind of baffling to me, but I'm not a young person who's no style. It's like, really, the T-shirt's a duct tape like imitation. Like, that's that. I don't know. Like, I didn't. I don't know if that's the coolest thing in the world. But if Patrick Mahomes is wearing it, it must be. And the message was sent anyways uh, that it looks like Texas Tech will be joining the Adidas brand after many years with Under Armour. Their pair deal, a pair deal was coming up, and there was a lot of. Uh, questions about where they might go and obviously with Patrick Mahomes being a marquee athlete for the three stripes it just logically like of course that would be a great landing spot for them now what I'm curious about is they basically broke the news they're joining Adidas but like how involved is Patrick Mahomes are we going to see a logo are we going to see like the Jordan style but with Patrick Mahomes I'm for that I think that they should market it and absolutely use him to the furthest extent 
But I don't. I would not want to see it like on various, like on Louisville's jerseys in a few years, or you know, yeah. like the Jordan brand. I would want that to be an exclusive Texas Tech thing. And if they have like the PM3 logo on there, I think that would be pretty sweet. But uh, obviously, more details to come later on next summer. Uh, but yes, Texas Tech will be joining Adidas, and uh, one of the last few schools that was still with Under Armour. There's others still with that brand, but um, a, a big move. And, and Patrick Mahomes obviously has a lot to do with that decision. Yeah, they have these Under Armour Reds that looked washed out. A couple of years ago, and I wondered um, what they would if they would start considering a new apparel provider, just because it just it wasn't a good look for them. But yeah, I, I uh, look. You have to lean into Patrick Mahomes yeah, until absolutely. until you can't do it anymore. So look, his best friend is dating Taylor Swift. Lean into that too. I don't know whatever you can do, uh, Texas <laughs> Tech, to to make sure people remember that before Patrick Mahomes was the best player in the NFL. Uh, he was on your campus. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Don't uh, ask what was going on on the campus, on the football field, because yeah. some of those teams weren't very good, but he was there first. Now, there was the the, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder when, when I saw this because the, the angel on the shoulder absolutely thinks it's brilliant marketing to have that be the way that you – made that official rather like I saw somebody else point out like you sometimes see like these boring emails of like they've signed a four-year deal with Under Armour but yeah throw out a tweet on social media with the most popular American football player in the world absolutely and say everything without saying anything really and just let people go crazy and I think you got the effect that you wanted there that was a way cooler way to uh, make the announcement so nearly 20 years with Under Armour for the Texas Tech brand and uh, they will now be like I said, uh, joining Adidas. So we'll see what those uniforms look like and uh, what all will uh, come with that. But, yeah, I would not be surprised to see some personalization with the Patrick Mahomes side of thing. That would just make a, a ton of sense for them. Uh, elsewhere, a couple of other things to get to. Oh, the other side of me was thinking, what brilliant timing and a lever to pull when things aren't going that well on the field of, like, never mind that BYU game. Yeah. New uniforms, baby. It's kind of like uh, when they – I forget who they lost to, and all of a sudden it's like – Micah Hudson just randomly commits out of nowhere. It's oh, like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. And he said that too. Yeah, huh? no, it was. It's it's smart. It's smart to keep the keep it keep it upbeat and keep the positive news flowing. If even if the uh, the results on the field aren't aren't exactly what you're uh, wanting at the moment, so uh, yeah, that that kind of think I uh, put a splash of sunshine on what otherwise was a little bit of a rough week there for Red Raiders fans. So looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. Uh, meanwhile, one more college football note before I, I mentioned a couple of games, uh, Cincinnati. And Nebraska, a scheduling note here, uh, they have rescheduled their series. Hmm. Originally, it's supposed to be played uh, back during the pandemic. Uh, they were going to have a home-and-home home series that kicked off in Lincoln back in September of 2020. But obviously, uh, plans changed when the uh, COVID-19 pandemic happened. And they were going to play the final game a few years later in 2025 at Nippert Stadium. Uh, but now there's been some, I guess, digging into documents and all of that. And basically what's going to happen now is apparently this has gone from a home-and-home home to Cincinnati will host the first game of the series at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis in August of 2025, which will be the season opener for both teams. And uh, that's where, obviously, the Colts play. And then the rescheduling will have Nebraska hosting Cincinnati in Lincoln in 2032. Wow. So that's how they've come out to uh, get this resolved. Um, Apparently for the 2032 game, according to FB Schedules, uh, Nebraska will provide 400 tickets at no cost. 
Um, and it gets into some other particulars, but I saw some backlash to this from Cincinnati fans, and I feel like rightfully so. You had Nebraska yeah. at Nippert Stadium, and now you're playing them a neutral site, but you're still going there? Yeah. Like, that no. hey, That doesn't make any damn sense. When you sense. run college football, you get what you want. <laughs> I guess so, but I feel kind of robbed by that, and I think yeah, it was I Chad be, Brindle yeah. or somebody else that yeah. was like, there's no way to spin that as a positive, even if they pay you like five hundred grand to play that game or whatever it may be. Uh, so, yeah, just an interesting um, – change there to that nebraska i guess will uh what did i say host that in 2032 but they'll play at lucas oil in 2025 so i i hope by then they're a five-time national championship program all right yeah well later on tonight uh, we got some battles uh when it comes to conference play out in conference usa a pair of games new mexico state diego pavia fun player to watch for them uh, at Louisiana Tech that kicks off at 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network and the way it stands right now New Mexico State is three and one in the conference they've won three straight games they're five and three overall La Tech has lost a couple in a row they're now two and two in conference and just three and five overall there with Sonny Cumbie so important game for both schools and sticking in the uh Conference USA realm, Liberty at Western Kentucky also coming up later on tonight at 6.30, and that will be on ESPNU, so a pair of CUSA games to watch, and Liberty right now unbeaten with Jamie Chadwell, 5-0 and in conference play, 7-0 and overall, and then Western Kentucky 2-1 and uh, right now, and 4-3 and overall coming off of a loss, so uh, Liberty riding that winning streak with the Fun Texas quarterback there in Caden Salter. Uh, and that program, no matter how many coaches they've changed, just kind of keeps keeps doing their thing. But a couple of games coming your way later tonight, and those are a few things off the radar. All right. Now, wh- who's the wh- the quarterback McCall? Where is he at? Grayson McCall is at Coastal Carolina. Okay, so he's with Ch- – okay, he, with Chad. He, okay. No, he's not with Chadwell Chad Chadwell left That's right. Liberty. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, all right. Thank you, Craig, very much. When we come back around the corner, we check in on USC – Uh, And people need to because it's been a tough run for them. And what is true, not true? Uh, Are they a house of cards? What's uh, Caleb Williams? Uh, Has there been access this week? Because there wasn't after the game in the loss to Utah. And a lot more to come. This is 365 Sports. TexasBeefHouse.com. They are having their first public beef auction coming up in November on the 11th, that's not that far away, just a couple of weeks away at the Duval Ranch in White House. Right outside of Tyler, it will be a live auction, and you can bid in person, on the phone, and also even available online. And I did check with Samantha Duval when I, I think some asked, well, will it be shipped to you? So if, in fact, you bid on these different particular packages of beef, and I'll get to more of that in just a second, Yes, it can be shipped to you. It will be shipped to you at your convenience. But if you buy the beef, you're going to have to pay for the, uh, obviously, the shipping cost. That makes sense. TexasBeefHouse.com will auction off Wagyu and Angus beef in 30 to 40-pound bundles with steaks, hamburger, and primals. Perfect for restaurant owners, but also even homeowners if you have the large enough deep freeze to handle the product. And for more information, you can go to TexasBeefHouse.com. The beef that they have... It is raised right there on the Duval Ranch just outside of White House. Uh, and, and I'm telling you right now, they have perfected the Wagyu beef and the aged beef combination. If you have not tried it, if you have not ordered it, you're missing out. All you have to do is go to TexasBeefHouse.com, order it, talk with them. They will set it up for you. You can get it the very next day. It is fantastic. TexasBeefHouse.com. 
How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duball, marketing director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40 pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time with Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. At Allen Samuels in Waco, we've got amazing deals that make you ask, why shop anywhere else? During Ram Power Days, get a new 2023 1500 Lone Star 4x4 Crew Cab, $11,000 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. Or choose a new 2023 1500 Laramie 4x4 Crew Cab, $12,500 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. That's right, we're making big deals, so hurry in today. Allen Samuels in Waco, the place to shop Ram Truck. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. We will hear about USC as they try to bounce back after the loss, the last-second field goal by Utah with R.J. Abadia. He'll join us here momentarily. And it's Craig Smoke, and I'm David Smoke. Uh, uh, Garrett Ross running the mothership here on 365 Sports. Now, the, uh, the chat room. Let's go inside of that. Oi, uh, let's see. 
Metal, metal. I'll be done with the Big 12. I'm ready to cheer on for the ACC if the Big 12 takes an albatross like Oregon State or Washington State. The Big 12 is already almost perfect. Utah looking awesome. Arizona's getting their act together. And Colorado, even though they've kind of gone into a fade mode, still uh, kind of showing what they can bring to the conference, too. Uh, yeah, I think uh, people are split on what they would like to see next. I mean, I think there's some people that are like, get as big as possible because they just like realignment, so it's just more to talk about. And there's others that uh, don't like the idea of not playing somebody for like seven years before having a full true home and home. The way the Big 12 was was great. Um, maybe not to make the most money um, or always get the most eyeballs, but you played everybody. You played everybody every year no matter what, and it was awesome, and you just rotated home and away. Uh, that way, there was no, like, oh, well, you ducked so-and-so or you didn't play so-and-so. You missed out on playing Oklahoma. Um, and now there's going to be a bunch of that, and the bigger you get, the more of that there will be. So we're going to see that, you know, in, in various conferences, and we're going to see that in the Big 12 now, guaranteed. But, like, how big are we talking here? Um, I think just two is not that big of a deal, but, man, the way Brett Yormark talks, you know, or the way it just kind of seems, like, I don't, I don't know there is a limit, you know? Like, what if it makes money, it's got a chance of being added, and that's the question of, of who makes money and who makes sense. But those two obviously would, would make some level of sense, but until they get their situation sorted out um, in, in the courtroom, then, you know, there's, there's nothing really to be had there substantial. R.J. Abadia, he covers USC inside uh, Troy.com. Also, Ryan Abraham is a part of that. We had Ryan on quite a bit the last couple of years with realignment and much more. And RJ joins Craig Smoke, David Smoke here on 365 Sports. RJ, thank you very much for your time. So is right now the football program, yes, there's two losses, but is the football program, in your opinion, kind of a house of cards that this thing could fall apart? Um, House of cards might be a little bit much, but it's a shaky foundation right now, um, no question. I think, and again, you know, as you guys know, in football, the stuff doesn't happen instantly, right? There's always a run-up. There's always a build-up, both to the good and the bad. And, and you know, just to throw another, you know, curveball into the situation, um, Lincoln Riley is has actually been taken ill and is actually missing practice today for the second straight day. So there's all kinds of stuff USC is dealing with at this point. And when you look at the state of the program, um, there are some significant red flags, both on the field and just kind of, you know, internally with, with what's going on. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I think House of Cards, maybe, but, there are definitely concerns right now, and it, it's definitely a very unstable time, easily the most unstable moment since Lincoln Riley arrived. RJ, there's still games to play, obviously, but uh, with that second loss, I mean, now the bigger hopes are, are dashed, right? Um, and yeah. an excruciating loss, uh, the way that it was seemingly out of their control and then in their hands, and then Bear Alexander makes the penalty, and, and then it all falls apart after that. Just uh, you talk about red flags on the field. What were your feelings about what you saw in uh, in the Utah game and, and just where this program as a team on the field currently stands? Well, you know, I think the, the, two, the, the two big takeaways from the Utah game for me were, number one, the, the self-inflicted issues. 
Um, Bear Alexander, as you pointed out, had that bad penalty at the end, but he had two roughing penalties that gave what had been a struggling Utah offense 33 yards. And as we saw at the end of the game, 15 crucial yards. It would have been uh, fourth and short with the game on the line deep in Utah territory. Instead, Utah's at midfield um, with time and field position on its side. And, and again, you know, when you only need the field goal to win, it's not like, you know, you just have to defend the goal line. You, you don't have a margin for error there. So, you know, a lot of self-inflicted stuff, but also just a lot of quite simply not good enough. I mean, Utah's offense, as we said, had been struggling. They exceeded their season average in yards per play, yards per carry, and they wildly exceeded their average in yards per attempt. Um, when you talk about the passing game. And on the other side of the ball, it's now three straight games where USC has been unable to score 30 points in regulation. And that's a major problem because, you know, everybody going into the season was trying to talk themselves into the idea of, okay, we're going to have an elite offense. Just give us anything defense. And that was kind of the blueprint. And right now the defense is not giving them nearly enough of what they need, but, the offense has also faltered. And that's a major, major concern when you're talking about a team coached by Lincoln Riley and quarterbacks by Caleb Williams. Is this something that the fan base, and this is everywhere, I mean, in various programs that people cover, if offense is not doing well, that it's the coordinator. Is this a simple fix on its Grinch and they move on from him? Or is that just like too simplistic? It's too simplistic. I think, you know, look, Personally, I have held off on the Grinch slander far longer than most, but there's no question right now, it's just not working. And you look at that game against Utah, and you've got two explosive plays from Utah on the exact same pass pattern in which an outside edge rusher is being forced to cover one-on-one downfield, and it went about as well as you think it went. You know, Utah got 89 yards on those two plays including a if i'm not mistaken a 53 yard touchdown so you know it it's not working and the criticism of of alex grinch is is valid you can't you can't push back very hard on that now that being said they are not and i literally texted this today they are not a coordinator change away from being an elite defense i think a new coordinator certainly moves the needle but they struggle. I mean, they they just struggle. That's just the bottom line. Like, they don't win. When you look at the elite defenses in college football and you talk about being stout against the run, being able to get pass rush without blitzing, you know, the kind of the, the standard things that you look at when you want to call a defense good, they don't have it. And, and the most alarming byproduct of all of it is they have just no ability to limit explosive plays. And – you know, they've been decent as a third down defense, but, you know, that only works if you're not giving up huge chunks of yardage, and they are just unable at this point to stop teams from doing that on a consistent basis. RJ, there was thoughts that even with, you know, the, the idea that, hey, they're probably not going to be great defensively, but, hey, they've got the Heisman Trophy winner, right? And they've got all these weapons, and they're going to be great, but... um 
How disappointing in some ways has the offense been, given the, the amount of hype and just the fact that you had a Caleb Williams coming back? What, what do you see as some of the issues on that side of the ball, and, and how big of the issues have they been? Well, I think they've been two, and, and, and one of them has been Caleb Williams, and we'll, we can get to that in a second. The, the, the bigger contrast that, that few people talk about is last year, Lincoln Riley inherited an offensive line that was basically set at four of the five positions and included two All-Americans, including one at center and one at left guard. And so he inherited a pretty set and veteran offensive line, and they were good last year. They were good as a run-blocking group, and they were pretty decent as a pass-protection group. Um, This year he inherited a scenario – not inherited, but this year it changed – both the All-American guys left, and Utah or Utah USC had to fill four of the five positions with new starters, and it just hasn't worked. They brought in some guys on the on, in the transfer portal, but the but the group as a whole has just not performed. And to the point where last Saturday they flipped the right guard and the right tackle, which you know when you get to game eight, that's just not something you should be you should have to do. So that is a huge difference from last year. And the other difference is just Caleb Williams' play. Um, he was elite last year against pressure by most of the advanced metrics. This year he is struggling significantly. And it's not just that he's struggling significantly against pressure. He's contributing to the pressure. You know, he's had issues holding on to the ball longer than than you'd want to. And it's leading to bad play and last year on a lot of occasions it led to highlight plays but this year it's leading to trouble and so you know he has dipped um in a from a performance standpoint and so is the offensive line and so given that it's not as surprising to see the offensive struggle but like you said coming into the season nobody anticipated it to look like this at any point RJ, was the lack of player availability Saturday night, which has gotten a lot of publicity, first time I think that even Ryan Abraham has was uh, mentioned yeah. ever or since he's covered them, uh, the number two media market in the country, uh, the spotlight, et cetera. Was that calculated? Was that maybe a certain player or two? Uh, maybe Caleb Williams didn't want to speak with the media or was that Lincoln Riley protecting his own? I don't think it was Lincoln Riley's first choice. I'll just say that because we, you know, there's, you know, as you said, there's a lot of speculation and there's not been anything that, that I can necessarily confirm or put at the feet of an individual person right now. But I think the general consensus of it was, first of all, it's such a conspicuous thing for all the reasons that you just mentioned, but even in a, regardless of the media market, like it, it's part of the process, right? Like you you talk after wins and you talk after losses and, and, you know, not to get all highfalutin, but just as part of the educational process, right? Just as the school servicing the students, one of the things you're supposed to be teaching them is accountability. And it manifests for the football team in being available and talking. So I, I don't think anyone's ready to say definitively how that came about, but it was a bad look and it, it certainly didn't help where they are right now as a program. And then on top of that with, and, and Lincoln Riley might have, you know, something that's very bad. I mean, from being, having a bad case of the flu, pneumonia, whatever it might be, but him not being there, does that just add more fuel to the fire? 
Yeah. I mean, it's never, look, it's never ideal. You guys know how active a head coach is in season and how so much of what they do spins and revolves around the head coach, number one, being there, but not only that, but running things, you know, and that goes especially true for Lincoln Riley. Like USC practices are Lincoln Riley run practices. He is a very active coach. He is very hands-on. He is very involved as you, as you would, would be, as you'd imagine um, in film study and in game planning and prep. And he, and if anything, he'd taken on a bigger role this year, trying to work with the defense as well. So, you know, there's never a good time for the head coach to not be around in season. But right now, with arguably the worst time for it to be happening. And 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 like you say, um, knowing Lincoln Riley, um, it has to be something significant to keep him away from this team. And so, yeah, it just literally couldn't be happening at the at a worse time. Well, I guess good news, RJ, is the schedule lights lightens up, right? Just kidding. Uh, I mean, there's Cal, yeah. but then after that, there's a there's three top twenty five teams staring them in the face if uh, if UCLA can hang in there. Well, so that's that's going to be a very interesting final month. I was just curious um, about just sort of the the feel around the Pac twelve with them, you know, getting knee deep into conference at this point and it being the last hurrah and all that jazz. I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, loving that they're they're losing a game like the Utah game, but has it been you know noticeably a kind of a send-off thing with uh, heated crowds? like, Or is that just you know, not even on really the radar because there's enough already on their plate? Yeah, you know, the, the weird thing is I think that the nature of USC's schedule was such that the first half ahead of Notre Dame was just not – It was the results were presumed. And the second half of the schedule is so backloaded that I think people were just excited about big game after big game after big game, you know. And I, I think there has – weirdly, there hasn't been – once the season starts and, you're, you know, you're, you think you're chasing a championship and you're, you're hoping you're chasing a college football playoff appearance, it, it hasn't – the nostalgia factor hasn't manifested itself the way you might think it would in the last go-around. Now, from the, from the point of view of the opponents, I'm sure it's a chop-licking situation. I'm sure Utah is just tickled to be able to say they finished off Pac-12 history with four straight wins against USC, including last Saturday. You know, and I know Washington will be gunning for them. Um, Cal will be gunning for them in the final, you know, Bay Area weekender game that USC has to go play this Saturday. And then certainly when you talk about going to Austin Stadium to play. Oregon for, well, I mean, they're going to the Big Ten, but for the last Pac-12 time, um, that's a big deal. And then finishing with UCLA, you know, which is always a big deal. So I think it's it's, it's less, there's been less focus from the SC standpoint on the end of the Pac-12 and kind of more concern at this point about the end of USC's championship hopes at this point. RJ, one more question back to Caleb Williams. And there was discussion there were even the possibilities of, hey, he should shut it down. Uh, that, you know, again, there's games to be played. As a, and he's the Heisman Trophy, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Emmanuel Acho said this, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's where the conversation started. Yeah, yes. and I, I mean, yeah. just it like burns my soul when I see that. I know players are opting out of bowl games now. That now is a habit because of the horrible injury that occurred. Uh, I just went blank on the Notre Dame running back. But – 
uh, no, Jalen Smith, the linebacker. Can is is that has have you seen or any kind of inkling that that might even be true that he's on the edge of shutting things down or is that unfair to bring it up? I don't think it's unfair to bring it up just because of the era that we live in. Yes. You know? Yep. I think when you know when you know I I used to cover Stanford and when Christian McCaffrey shut it down for and it was a Sun Bowl it wasn't like the Rose Bowl or anything but when he did that it was it still reverberates. Because suddenly you're just like, wait a minute, this thing that we thought of as off the table is now on the table. And so I do think there's a divide, like you guys are saying, um, between the bowl game, which is, you know, essentially three weeks of practices. And if you're not in a championship, it's three weeks of practices for a game that's tough to get up for, for a lot of guys. But that's different than you've got two top 10 teams on the schedule plus your rival. You know, I, I don't know if you look at the cost benefit, it's hard to argue at this point that the, that the benefit of ducking those games um, outweighs the cost. But, you know, it's a week-to-week evolution. These things change, you know. And so I think it's worth monitoring. It's not crazy to bring it up. We have got no indication that it is on the verge of happening. Um, but that doesn't mean that that won't change one week, two weeks or three weeks from now. It really just comes down to the fact that he is the presumed number one pick in the draft. And as long as he feels he is still the presumed number one pick in the draft, they're going to go and operate the way they think they have to operate. And that's really, that's really the priority at this point. Good stuff, RJ. I'm glad Ryan uh, hooked me up with you and had us on the show, had you on the show. We appreciate your time a a great deal. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. R.J. Abadia uh, with us from inside Troy on USC from, uh, like, my God, what's happened to us, to the Lincoln Riley's missed a couple of practices, to the media not being able to talk to players. is It kind of – am I wrong to think that he, that, that might have been a player decision that he was trying – he didn't say it, but was that suggesting that it wasn't Lincoln Riley's first choice? And if that's the case, there's only one player that you could look at as the one that probably wouldn't want to meet with the media, and I hope that's not true. I mean, whether that's fair or not, that's the price you pay when you are the starting quarterback at USC and you're the reigning Heisman Trophy winner is, yeah, the eyes are going to be on you. So uh, whoever's decision it was, it was a bad decision. If it was Caleb Williams or if it was Lincoln Riley or whoever, I think that was a poor choice uh, given that that was a highly competitive game. I understand it was a brutal loss, but – you know, it's not like they were asking Bear Alexander to go in there and speak and just, like, you know, rip his guts out over some mistakes. Right. Um, but, gosh, those were bad mistakes, man. <laughs> those are bad mistakes. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just an all-around bad look. I think it's something that's, you know, kind of followed Riley around in these last couple of years with the exit from Oklahoma of just kind of how he operates is not really everybody's cup of tea. And, and the more time goes on, the more that – he kind of appears to be a little bit of a different type of person than maybe he appeared to be at one point in time. Would that be fair to say? Um, and and not like he's a bad dude or anything, but just, you know, uh, I think there's just been some decisions on display that he's not quite who I thought he was in, in some ways. Um, but, you know, hey, it's it's his program. It's his choices. It's his, uh, it's his operation. So 
Um, you know, whatever he feels works best for them. But I don't think not having your players speak afterwards and especially your future number one overall pick and your reigning Heisman winner and all that, I think that the best thing to do would have been to have him out there answering questions um, and to, you know, just overall in general handle things a bit better. I mean, how can you possibly still deny the issues at hand just with your football team in general and act like it's a fan or a media-driven thing? when they point out your defensive flaws, all people had to do was watch the Utah game and see, for one, Utah's not a great offensive team. <laughs> so, no, they're a methodical Barnes, wear you down if you can. You know, yeah. Has a player of the week performance, and, and so, you know, credit to him, but, I mean, the defensive issues are glaring, and we're, we're the stupid ones, apparently, uh, you know, when, when we talk about USC's issues. But, um, you know what, uh, they're in a position now where if they finish 10-2, and two, that would actually be a great season for them. It would not be what they signed up for or what they expected, but it would be a great season given that they already have two losses. But I'm failing to see how that's going to be possible without a miracle because they'll, they'll beat Cal this weekend because it's, you know, it's a matchup that plays into their favor in every way. Um, but those final three weeks, they're playing host to Washington. They are then going on the road to Oregon, yep. and then they are coming back home and taking on UCLA, who right now is at, right inside the top 25, whereas Washington and Oregon are both in the top 10 at the moment. So that's what's upcoming for them after Cal this weekend. So it's about to get real, this uh, final leg of their Pac-12 journey. And, um, you know, for all the talk about Texas and Oklahoma and UCLA and USC and all these teams moving, uh, Texas and Oklahoma still have a chance to – to spoil the Big 12's party and play each other, but uh, USC's opportunity to play in the the pack and get that last laugh, it's uh, it's not looking good. couple of notes to get to, um, and thank you to RJ for being a part of it. An update on the Rangers. Mitch Garver got drilled in the ribs yesterday or last night. Uh, no fractures, according to uh, Levi Weaver, who covers the team, because, I mean, that hit right in the ribs. And then also, um, was it McCormick that got hit on the back leg right above his knee, which was brutal from a 104-mile-an-hour pitch from Chapman. All right, when we come back, John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist, his thoughts looking back at the NFL weekend. And, yes, he's a huge Astros fan, too. By the way, Paul just had something to take care of. We never even mentioned that he was gone. But just yeah. somebody suddenly yeah. saw him disappear, he had a, uh, a issue to take care of. It's all fine. But, uh, yeah, he had to bail. So I just wanted, didn't want to leave everybody with no explanation on that. But uh, he'll be back tomorrow from all indications. So. When we come back, John McClain, Houston Chronicle. This, uh, excuse me, longtime columnist, but a Hall of Fame columnist now in Houston 610. This is 365 Sports. I uh, have this information from Ashley, Carol, and Cheyenne at Don Schumador and Coffee Beans. I told you about the certificates uh, of authenticity with some of the framed pictures they have of sports heroes. Uh, they have one with Jack Nicholas. It carries the authenticity label. The one with Nolan Ryan in the bloody lip or Albert Pujols, a longtime slugger for the Cardinals and uh, what the Dodgers, uh, uh, Angels, uh, no certificate of authenticity. But I, I looked at them, and they're both like the real deal. So they have those available behind the counter when you check out with product if you do, or just go buy a framed picture from Don Schumador and Coffee Beans in the Townwood Shopping Center in between Richland Drive and Valley Mills. Also, this is pretty cool. Uh, Ashley told me this, that they're getting in a super limited JFR lunatic, the size that shall not be named. That's the name of the cigar. It's a gigantic cigar made for huge ring gauge smokers. It's 10 inches long and a whopping 100 ring gauge. 
That's like what the Sopranos were probably smoking during that series. It's a monster. They have a 48-foot walk-in humidor with other great cigars from Churchill length to, sm- to shorter if you want that. CBD product, Vita Dreams, to help you fall asleep at night very comfortably. And THC products for those who have chronic pain. And it's actually called for bad days. It's Don Chimador and Coffee Beans in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills and in between Valley Mills and Richland Drive in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Read John's work at sportsradio610.com. John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist. It's 536. This is 365 Sports. Craig Smoke, David Smoke, and thank you for being a part of what we do every day. And John McClain on Tuesdays, most every Tuesday at 530. What has been the shrapnel reaction in Houston over the Astros uh, with their great run they've had, but not this year in the World Series? It's very interesting, David. You know, first of all, the Rangers, what they have achieved since blowing the division 
at Seattle has been to me one of the most impressive things I've seen in baseball history. To do what they did in Tampa, Baltimore, now Houston, it's amazing. They're built to last. People down here on my shows are mad because I want the Rangers to win the World Series. And I said for two reasons, and the Astros can say that they lost to the World Series champion, but we can also say a Texas team won the World Series. And I think that would be great. And I think there's a good chance they will. You know the TV people want it to be the Phillies, not Arizona. And uh, But the Astros, if you think about it, they lost out two days, 70 games. They lost Alvarez. 49, did not have Lance McCullers at all. Their 15-game winner, Luis Garcia, missed almost all the season with Tommy John surgery. And to get in the seventh consecutive ALCS was pretty impressive, even though they blew uh, the last two games to the Rangers. But, man, those Rangers hitters, they're good. the Rangers will still have to work on their pitching staff next year. But being able to watch those hitters, is going to be so much fun. And I sent out a tweet last night congratulating them and saying for all my family members and friends in Waco and the Metroplex who are Rangers fans, congratulations. Very classy by you, John. I know that a lot of other Astros fans were not, were not that way, but I understand it. No, they weren't yeah. that way. No, no, uh, not at all. Yeah. Uh, where does Adolis Garcia now rank amongst Houston sports villains? You know, it's very interesting because the Rangers said they had not heard anybody get booed like he did here, which you knew was going to happen. Altuve gets booed like that every time he comes up on the road, and he thrives on it the way Garcia thrives on it. And I thought they added spice to it. We've had some villains through the years. Carl Malone from the Utah Jazz would probably be considered Number one, Larry Bird, right up there because they kept the Astro, I mean the Rockets, from doing what everybody wanted the Rockets to do, of course, which was to uh, advance. And I think hit Garcia's clutch performance after he struck out four times and then hits a grand slam. My goodness, what a performance! What a clutch performance! And uh, I hope he does like Jeremy Pena did last year, MVP of the ALCS, and then go on to be MVP of the World Series. But boy, I'll get run out of Houston when they hear me say that. Yeah, no, I, I you know, it, it's interesting because they used to be in different leagues, and when that happened in the West, I was like, is that going to work out? Well, it's turned into a where well, the Rangers dominated for many years, and then the Astros flipped the switch the last five to six, seven years because of their dominance. And I mean, they have had drama. Uh, I mean, absolute drama. Your thoughts about Dusty Baker after a, a a really nice way to wrap up his career with Houston, despite the loss. That's not the nice way, but uh, class guy and the fact he might not be there anymore. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Uh, the athletic had a story that said he's been telling people that he might be done, and then they said, but he might change his mind. So, in other words, he could be back or he could not be back. I personally believe, I think he'll be gone. The new GM, Dana Brown, hadn't been on the job for a year. He came from Atlanta. You know, new GMs always have somebody they want to hire. Jim Crane, of course, will sign off, and he may make the decision. Their bench coach, Joe Espada, 
is very popular with the players and the media, and he had taken Alex Cora's place, but he's interviewed for a bunch of jobs and hadn't gotten one, and we can't figure out why, because he's such a good guy, knowledgeable guy, and uh, but I, I think Dusty will be gone. When they brought him in here to replace A.J. Hinch, there's no way they could have envisioned what this team would do with him coming off the World Series in which they shockingly lost every game at home in the seven-game series. I mean, he takes over, and it's been a spectacular run. And they got a lot of talent. There's no reason they won't be right up there with the Rangers next year and maybe the Mariners. And uh, so it's going to be fun. Bruce Bochy does, man, I wonder, in his three years of retirement, did everybody just assume he was done? Mm -hmm. Did teams call him and say, hey, Bruce, are you interested in coming out of retirement? And he said no. But then Young calls him, he says yes. What a great move by the Rangers. And you hope Bruce takes good care of himself and he doesn't retire anytime soon because they'll be a World Series contender every year under him. And what he did, what, what he did for them after they got crushed at home, kept them from going down the tubes, is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen done by a manager. Yeah, it's just the perfect storm, I think, of, of the players and coach and all that at the right time for sure, John. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Texans coming off of the open week at 3-3 three and three, and now a battle of, well, the, the top quarterbacks in, in last year's draft as uh, C.J. Stroud will take on uh, Bryce Young and the Panthers. But, um, uh, John, just what was the kind of the focus of the bye week and, and your thoughts on what's upcoming? Craig, I, I, I tweeted last night, I said I haven't – been able to tweet something like this after an Astros season ended. Well, there's always the Texans because usually they've been so bad. People are really excited about what Nico Ryan has done and um, and CJ Stroud and some other players. They've lost their three and one in their last four games, and in those games, the loss came on a field goal at Atlanta with no time left on the clock. Now they go to Carolina. I'm writing a column on. SportsRadio610.com tomorrow about Stroud versus Young, first two picks in the draft, about how Lovey Smith won the last game at Indy, went for two, won. Everybody uh, booed him like crazy because he cost Houston a chance to get Bryce Young, and they got stuck with C.J. Stroud so far. That's working out quite well. But uh, people love Nico. They love Stroud. They got a good thing going on right now. So what do you uh, make of – the 49ers, they got beat again uh, last night. It appears as if the offense has become a little stagnant. Purdy now looks like uh, just another guy. Not that he hadn't he, – he was just amazing against the, the Cowboys in that route of Dallas. But it, it, are people catching up with them, or is there something else going on? Well, they missed Trent Williams. They're a great tackle, and their running game only got 65 yards, and they're all about the run. And uh, they were missing a couple of players. But you know what? Every team is missing a couple of more players. And uh, he hasn't, Purdy hasn't been in a situation where he's had to bring them from behind with a double digit deficit too much in his brief career. And he looked awful in the fourth quarter. Last interception, he should have run the ball. It was just a terrible decision, a terrible pass. But he's well coached, I'm sure. He'll bounce back. After that Cowboy game, 
I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. And uh, right now, they look very ordinary. You know, it's interesting that Kansas City's won five in a row. Buffalo's got problems. Philadelphia uh, looks good again. I think the two best teams right now, you'd have to say, are Philadelphia and Kansas City. Last week, I thought Detroit was the best team in the NFC, and I look like an idiot. Uh, John, what did you think of Dolphins and Eagles? A, a much anticipated matchup, but uh, Philly getting a couple touchdown win. If you look at Miami's teams they've beaten, I think they've combined for eight victories. They played a very easy schedule. They've been hammered by uh, Buffalo and Philadelphia. And that's, you know, when you have a team down in South Florida that relies so much on the deep passing game and it hadn't even gotten cold and windy and snowy, and icy yet, and they're going to experience that. You got to you got to be worried about it if you're a Dolphins fan. But you know they can run the ball. But but when it gets into November, December, that's we're going to see we're going to start to see teams separate. But right now it's hard. Unlike two weeks ago when you knew the 49ers were the best team in the league until they spit bet these last two. Uh, I think it's wide open, and that makes it more interesting. When we were, uh, I spent the last five days at our home house in Maryland, and I watched two games, the Ravens, they were incredible, and the Commanders, they look like they're trying to get Ron Rivera fired. Yeah. And I think of all the hot seats in the NFL, it's Rivera's because they were terrible, lose, lose to the Giants, and they've got a new owner. Those new owners want to hire their own guys, so I don't think, Ron Rivera is long for this coaching world. Did you see the quotes? And I, I actually saw what Jonathan Allen said. Here's a guy that played at Alabama, obviously came up oh, to yeah. a standard. He is furious. He's sick. Like he said, I'm sick of this. And he said more than that. Uh, yeah. And I, I lo- as a lifelong Washington fan, I love what he said because I am too. They're de- and he had to be bleeped five times. They and all F bombs, and I think their defensive line, which was dominant last year, and they had a good running game, and now their offensive line is just horrible. Poor old Sam Howe's going to shatter David Carr's record of seventy-six sacks, mm-hmm. and they just have taken a major step backward. And they may be in the running for—you never know—at least in position to trade up to get uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May. Speaking of that. John, you know what uh, certain teams, franchises put red flags or whatever. They won't touch a certain player that might be because of off-the-field activity, might be because of drugs, it might be because of, uh, what, attitude, whatever, character. What are your thoughts about Caleb Williams if, in fact, the rest of their season continues to go south and he was to, like, just, like, and I I don't think he's going to quit. I just think he's got too much there, but... The, some of the rumors about shutting it down. Uh, I think that I saw somebody I respect that lost his locker saying mm-hmm. he was a better prospect than Elway and Manning. And I'm thinking, and Andrew Luck and all those guys. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Now, I tell you what, Lincoln Riley's not doing him any favors. When you, right after you... It was hilarious. He wouldn't make anybody available to the media. And they had put out a thing earlier about how important it was for their student athletes to talk to the media. And it's just a disaster at USC. 
And, you know, when you turn all the media against you, that trickles down to the players. And uh, Caleb Williams is going to be the first overall pick because they don't care what you do in college. They care what you do in shorts and a T-shirt. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. How was Washington, D.C. or Maryland or wherever you were? We were outside uh, Annapolis. It was beautiful, on the water, had a blast. Second Bears, congratulations on that victory at Cincinnati. Thank you very much, John McClain. Hall of Fame columnist with us in the insight on the NFL. Uh, obviously, uh, the insight he has on many things, NFL, Astros, Rangers, and, and then even uh, his thoughts about Baylor, his beloved Baylor Bears, too. We appreciate uh, his time. It is 549, Garrett Ross. Uh, I guess this is it, right? Yeah, this is it. yeah and there's no top five today. Yeah. That's right, because Paul left for a little bit in, in the five o'clock hour. Craig, any other summary from what we've heard today? Go range. I looked. Oh, I went online to look at Rangers World Series tickets. Give Give me a guess on just random, decent tickets and how much they would cost. Uh, I have no idea. A thousand bucks. Yeah, five hundred thirty-four up to a thousand. Two twelve hundred, uh, and those were just sold for twelve hundred dollars a piece, a piece, down can't do it. the the baseline pavilion. Can. No, I can't I really do it. Don't. I mean, like you know, it, I just have too many other things I need. <laughs> I need to pay for. Like I just, I can't even rationalize. Like it was a one time only. I I can't do that with for that much money. I know others can, and hey, more power to you. But twelve hundred dollars for a ticket, I just there's no way in hell five hundred. That's way pushing it for me you know maybe if it was like game seven and and you got it's at home and but like game two paying like a thousand dollars i just i can't rationalize that myself but i I commend those that are able to to do that here's uh for example uh section two uh section 105 down the third base line but it's not right down the line but you're in a really good spot right um Thirteen hundred sixty-eight dollars a piece they were sold 38 minutes ago and and there were there were a chunk of them available uh, it's a beautiful stadium. It's an incredible event. I was going to go online. I was curious, but that's too rich for my blood. All right. Thanks to everybody today in the chat. Thanks to Garrett, Levi, Emery is putting together 365 Sports tonight, tonight at 1030 on the CW. Jack McKenzie, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, our amazing sponsors. Tomorrow, former Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby will be a part of our show. I'm David Smoke. Have a great night. This is 365 Sports. DLMRI is a small